been a very interesting 24 hours for me and it's been a very up and down week in the world of wrestling and hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the no spots weekly wrestling podcast this is episode 216 i am dc's people's champ i am here with you as always and i am joined as always by my tag team partner coming to us from the regular basement none other than the dark sith lord himself sith hello chaos uh, welcome everyone to the regular basement. Thanks for all followers, chatters, subscribers, lurkers, listeners on our audio platforms, and people finding us for the first time. A warm welcome to you all. I gotta say this off the bat though. I get that Amazon Studios wants to entertain us, but really, the idea of a shark would be called the Black Demon sucked so bad that it could very well be. One of the worst movies I have seen all year. Champ, what's good in the People Studios and the ABA? Good stuff. So I've had an interesting 24 hours. So here's what happened. So hmm. I worked yesterday, normal, normal work day, you know, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing too, nothing too memorable. It's just another work day. So after I get done with work, I decide I'm gonna go to the store real quick. Just grab some stuff from the store and everything like that. Go to the store, get do do what I gotta do, come back to my apartment. I get, I walk into the lobby, say hey to the concierge, and I walk up to the elevator. I hit the button on the elevator to go up to come on the seventh floor, and the power in the building goes completely out. <sighs> Thankfully, yeah. I wasn't on the elevator. I was still waiting on it, and power goes completely out. So I sit there, and I'm like, well, I'm not walking upstairs because it's, that's, um, I'm on the seventh floor, and hell no. So I waited out, and then the power comes back on. Literally, I think in like two, two to three minutes, power's back on. So I'm like, okay, nothing wrong with that. We're whatever. We're gonna keep it moving. So I come up. So I come upstairs, mind my business, have me something to eat, pour me some, pour me some wine, light up a cigar, sit here. I'm chilling, uh, getting uh, watching Brit on kick and things like that. Next thing I know, pew, power goes out again. So I'm thinking, okay, it's gonna be back on in just a couple minutes. It's all good. Nope. I literally was sat here in the dark in my apartment smoking a cigar and drinking wine for almost two hours. But what happened was it was an area outage. It wasn't just my apartment building. It was the entire oh. area. The, the electricity went completely out. And then on top of that, that insult to injury, it was raining as well. So, But they were able to get it restored around 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And I was able to, you know, finish up my cigar, finish up my wine and go to bed. But, yeah, it was a very interesting Friday night for for me uh, and things like that. And what made it even worse for the fact that the power went out, that meant my DVR wasn't working, which means I only got 40 minutes of SmackDown recorded. 
But thankfully for me, I was able to go online and be able to find see what I missed in the first like hour plus. So yep. I'm good for the push barrier segment with SmackDown. Uh, but good grief, man! I, I just it's just I don't know, dude. Like that that, that whole thing was just uh. weird because the power went out the first time, and I was just like, and it came back on. I didn't think nothing of it, but then it went out a second time, and I'm sitting in my apartment. It, everything was like pitch black dark, and I'm like, I'm not leaving my apartment. Luckily, I have all the locks on and everything like that. I, I'm I'm good. I should be good. You know, I should be good. Should nobody even attempt to even come in here and fucking bother me or anything like that. So anyway, yeah, that was my yeah. Friday night in a nutshell. Yes. And luckily for me, the power came back on at least early, at least. So seeing as though I did, I only got 40 minutes of SmackDown. That to tell you the exact time that it came back on was around 920, uh, yep. uh, around 920-ish or something like that. So, uh, yeah, it's, it was just weird. But thankfully it came on before Rampage, so I got the entire hour of Rampage. So I, I got that covered. Anyway, so here's what we have for you on this week's episode, ladies and gentlemen. We have some news and notes. Of course, the main uh, event of our news and notes segment is... As always, the old saying is death comes in threes, and unfortunately, we lost two major uh, wrestling personalities and one who was a personality outside of wrestling but had contributions in wrestling, so I'm counting that as the third. We're talking about Hall of Famer Terry Funk, uh, Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda, and, of course, former Prices Right host Bob Barker. So... um, so we're going to be talking about that, plus other news, including a current WWE superstar who's now being is now be, can be added to the list of those that are expecting their first child within the next year. We're also going to talk about an update on what happened with Rey Mysterio when he got injured in that U.S. title uh, U.S. title tournament number one contenders match with Santos Escobar, and we're going to talk about a, a AEW star who hasn't been seen on AEW TV in over two years. Years, but we have an update on their status with the company. We're going to talk about that and all that on news and notes. In our New Japan recap, we're going to look back at last weekend's events in Philly, the All-Star Junior Festival USA 2023, as well as the Multiverse United 2 for whom the Bell Tolls event that's on Sunday. And then we will talk, we will reveal what was revealed via social media by New Japan, the schedule for the Road to uh, Power Struggle Tour, which will also be the uh, Super Junior Tag League Tournament that'll be uh, taking place. So we'll talk about that. Uh, Then we will have a preview of this Sunday's all-in pay-per-view from the United Kingdom, from Wembley Stadium, expected to be the largest professional wrestling event in the world. So we'll talk about all the matches there. And then, of course, the Sith Lord will be driving the bus that is the Weekend Review, Push or Bury. And then we will have our final thoughts. So, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, referee, you know what to do. Ring the bell. All right, before we get into our news and notes, we want to say, look into our Twitch chat because we have something really a nice lengthy message here from our good friend Alex. Uh, it seems like it's a uh, has to do with Bray Wyatt. So I want to look at this and see. Very soon, mm-hmm. very soon, I will have a gigantic tattoo of Bray Wyatt called the Story Arc of Wyatt. I'm going to pull all of Bray's characters from the beginning to the end. The Bray Wyatt logo, the Firefly Funhouse logo, Uncle Howdy, Braun Strowman, Rome, Rowan, and Brody. Also Alexa Bliss. I'll put the flashlight. 
the rocking chair, embrace phrases, and finally the puppets of the Funhouse in one arm and the other ink on the other arm. And I will try to go to WrestleMania 40 with that ink. Wow. The second tattoo will have I will have will be on the chest. On my heart, it will be a photo of Brody Lee and Bray to have them on my heart forever. Wow, that's deep. That's heavy, man. That is so heavy, dude. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Thank you for thank you for that, Alex. Thank you. That that's that's an awesome tribute to to Bray Wyatt. We're gonna talk about that in just a bit. And shout out to uh, Sage who's here who says that SmackDown should be left out because it was a different show. What do you think, Sage? What do you think, Seth? It you think we call an audible and leave? You think we call an audible and leave it off? Or we keep it on. I leave it up to you. I'm good either way. I'll let you know how you feel. How do you feel? I'm good either way. Well, given the fact that I missed half the show and the only way I was able to catch up was through highlight videos on YouTube, which like skips every couple of seconds, yeah. so I didn't really get the full Let's cut it. scope. Yeah, SmackDown's cut. We'll cut it. We'll, we'll cut it. Yep. But it was it was definitely a really good show, but we'll cut it. Yep. All right, so that's what we're going to do. All right, news and notes time. We're going to start off with, as I just mentioned, another WWE superstar can be added to the list of superstars who are in, are expecting their first child within the next year or so. Talking about none other than the big man, Big Bronson Reed, who announced via Instagram on uh, the 24th of, this, uh, of August that he and his wife, through in vitro fertilization, are... F- Finally expecting their first child. Uh, Bronson Reed has been very open on his Instagram page about uh, the journeys that he and his wife have been going through uh, trying to become pregnant and use it in vitro fertilization or or IVF in order to become pregnant. And finally, it has been successful. He said on the caption of the picture that also included the sonogram of the baby. Thank you to all of those who reached out when I spoke about the IVF journey my wife and I have been on. Paige has been an absolute rock star throughout this, uh, through this, the whole process, and is truly my hero. We were successful and are expecting a baby girl, Big Daddy, coming in 2024. So, congratulations to Bronson Reed. As you know, Bronson Reed uh, has this is his second stint with WWE. His first stint was with he with the third brand, the. the Developmental brand NXT, where he was the North American champion, but he was released. He would go on to uh, make appearances in various indie segments, uh, fields, as well as make appearances for New Japan Pro Wrestling and Impact Wrestling, including competing in the G1 Climax Tournament last year, where he was the lone loss that Kazuchika Okada suffered during Okada's run to a second straight G1 Climax Tournament win. Uh, he Okada would get that win back a couple of months, a month and a half later against Reed, and then Reed would subsequently return to the WWE after that run and has now been make, making a run on the main roster on Raw. Uh, Sith, Eddie, he, he joins a list of people who are getting ready to have babies in the, in the next few, uh, next bit of time. Of course, you know, we have uh, Carmella, who is expecting a child in the next couple of months, and as well, Alexa Bliss, uh, who is getting ready to uh, have a baby with her husband, Ryan Cabrera, uh, in December. Uh, so what do you got to say to uh, Mr. Reed and his lovely wife, Paige, on the announcement of the impending uh, ar- arrival of their baby girl? This is absolutely outstanding. And... Like what I've said before, you separate your personal feelings towards wrestler A and or their partners. 
this is absolutely outstanding. I wish them nothing but the best. You know, they've had to go through stages, to, you know, processes to get this done. I'm glad it's working out for them. Bless them both. Bless the soon-to-be daughter. And I can't wait for the baby to arrive. And the cool thing about Bronson Reed is that he's going to, oh, man. The first person that daughter brings home, date-wise, Bronson Reed just has to give them a glare. Like, motherfucker, you better be on point. Jam. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's and, and a lot of people probably don't understand this, but the in vitro fertilization process is very, very difficult and can be very, very draining both physically and mentally on parents when they can't conceive naturally. So, and the fact that, Bron- that Bronson Reed was so uh, open and transparent about this on social media it just shows, you know, and to the support that he's been receiving and to finally see that result be that yes they are now able to they are now having a child and um things like that it's absolutely awesome and i'm really happy for uh bronson reed and his wife to be able to share this news to be able to share their journey and for that journey to turn into the ultimate destination which was pregnancy but now the real work begins now is to be able to stay healthy through that pregnancy and deliver a very healthy and happy baby so i wish them both nothing but the best all right we're gonna keep it moving as you know it was on the july 28th edition of smackdown Rey mysterio and santos escobar took on each other in a united states championship invitational tournament final uh that was to determine the next number one contender for that championship now all reports said that santos was to was supposed to win the match as as scheduled but the match had to be ended prematurely because of an injury suffered to Rey Mysterio during the match on a suicide dive Rey Mysterio appeared to have hit his head on the base of the ramp causing him to be not loopy enough that the referee stopped the matchup ultimately uh, awarding the victory to Santos Escobar well Escobar did an interview with 10 count and explained that you know what happened during the matchup and what uh, and things of that nature. Uh, so he would go on. To, he would say, "Quote: The show that you got is the show that it was going to be. I believe that it is important to present a good show, and I believe that was the case that night. Ray and I went hard at it. That's what we agreed upon. We have a very long relationship. We have a bond, and when you have that, you go hard." That's what happens when you go hard. I'm just glad that he had a small, minor concussion, but he came back hard. Then, well, you know what happened a couple of weeks after the fact. Uh, so what ended up happening is, is that, of course, Santos Escobar is alluding to the fact that a couple of weeks later, uh, he was supposed to challenge for the uh, U.S. championship, but an angle was run where Austin Theory attacked him from behind twice, attacking his leg, leading to Rey Mysterio being uh, replaced in the matchup and ultimately winning the United States championship uh, over Austin Theory. So, uh, Sith. It turns out it was a concussion, but clearly it wasn't a serious one, but it was enough that they felt that to be safe, they needed to stop the matchup and end it right there. Smart move. You know, the way I see it is this. Both wrestlers agreed to go hard. They've known each other for years, which is a good thing. When wrestlers agree to go at a certain pace or certain style, it's just how the whole thing ebb and flows through the whole thing. So for people that are out here 
looking to blame Santos for this. I wouldn't do that. Don't blame Ray for it. It it's just something that accidentally happens. Thank God it was a slight concussion and not like a major concussion. You know, and thank God Ray's okay. Santos is doing good too. So all in all, I'm glad that Santos Escobar cleared the air. Hopefully now some people in the IWC can chill. Champ? Yeah, um, I've just, uh, man, I mean, like I said, everybody knows that concussions are very, very, very mm-hmm. tough to predict or know what's going on. You know, it could be minor, but one bad bump or one, like, jarring blow, and it could go from a minor concussion to a near-career-ending concussion at the yeah. at the very worst. So it was a very smart move for them to say, okay, Ray, yes, you're concussed. It's minor, but let's end it. We're going to end it. He was going to win anyway. Let's just end it. It's not going to be – it's not the way we wanted it to end, but it needs to be for your safety and, and things like that. So they made the right call, and luckily, again, Ray Mysterio's concussion was very minor because he was back in action a couple weeks later and things like that. So good on them for making that decision. Uh, and, again, knowing that how people view concussions, CTE, things like that, very call, right call was made. Yeah. All right, next up, as we mentioned, there's an AEW star who hasn't been seen on Dynamite in over two years and hasn't been seen in an AEW ring, period, in over a year, in, in over a year. Uh, but he's still under contract and actually is oh. still under contract until 2025. We're talking about none other than Anthony Agogo. Yes, Anthony Agogo, who signed with the company back on October the 26th, 2019, is still with the company and signed an extension between 2020 and 2023. That's according to a report from Fightful Select, who said that the uh, Olympic bronze medal winning boxer is healthy. He's not dealing with any injuries or anything like or any illness. He is healthy, healthy, healthy. But the reason why he has not been on AEW program programming is because that they have no creative plans for him uh at the moment but uh even though he's not on the car for this sunday's all in he will be doing media for aew to promote the event in the united kingdom uh the last time that he actually wrestled in a match even uh regardless was back uh was back on November the 27th of 2022 where he wrestled uh, for uh, the Progress Chapter 146 They Think It's Over event. That was the last time he was in a wrestling ring at all. Like I said, the last match he had on Dynamite was back on June the 4th, 2021 where he teamed with QT Marshall to defeat Cody Rhodes and and Vic Shotty Lee Johnson. His last AEW match overall was an episode of Dark that was taped on August the 21st 2022 but according to Fightful he is still with the company until at least 2025 uh, what do you think about this this is a name we haven't heard in a long time it's a name we haven't heard in ages and it's a name that we miss hearing because the last time of memory serves he was in QT Marshall's factory stable which was one of the prime focuses of Dark back when Dark was a thing and it sucks that someone like Anthony Agogo, who does really good work in the ring for someone his size and for someone who came in with a boxing background, not professional wrestling background, 
it's sad that they can't find anything for him. I think it's possible maybe he said, look, let QT do his thing over here. I'll wait, which would be a smart move. Champ, I I got nothing. I'm just glad he's okay and he's still under contract. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, yes, I agree. And I'm hopeful that, you know, something can come up where they can bring him back over from the UK to get involved in because he was really developing his wrestling skills mm-hmm. so well, uh, especially during the pandemic and, and mixing in that boxing background, which, you know, a, a lot of former, uh, the very few boxers who came became wrestlers being able to mix in wrestling with that boxing style and do it with such uh, success. Uh, Ogogo was one of those that was able to do yeah, he didn't win any championships, but he really made an impact. Did the governor? So I can't wait to see the governor back on uh, on on uh, proper AEW TV. Hopefully, maybe they could put him on Collision and stuff like that. You know, give him something on Collision yeah. and stuff. All right, uh, Hector's here, and his first comment is, "What was next on the docket?" In the close out our news and notes, we got to close it off on a sad note. The find these last couple of days of this week have been the ultimate down for the world of professional wrestling it began uh early it began on august the 23rd uh when it was announced via rick flair as well as mick foley that hall of famer the le- hardcore legend Terry Funk passed away at the age of 79. Now there was no there was no cause of death announced, but he had been in poor health for the last several years um, and things like that. But he was known for a lot of things. Of course, uh, Terry used to wrestle with his uh, brother Dory Dory Funk Jr. Uh, he worked in the Western State Sports in the, in the 60s. He spent 12 years with championship wrestling from Florida. He was also a former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, defeating Jack Briscoe, and held that championship for a year until he was beaten by Harley Race. He spent time in All Japan with his brother. Also, he debuted in WWF in 1985, unsuccessfully challenging for the WWF championship against Hulk against Hulk Hogan he would um wrestle a match at uh the first WrestleMania at the second WrestleMania tagging with Hoss Funk to defeat the Junkyard Dog and Tito Santana he was also at ECW where he was a two-time ECW uh world champion he made a second run in WWF in the late 90s uh, as Chainsaw Charlie tagging up with Cactus Jack, winning the tag team championships at WrestleMania 14. Uh, the only that was the only championship he won. And then they had uh, he had a very memorable Falls Count Anywhere match on an episode of Raw against Mick Foley, as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, the Funkers' career he went um, to All Japan. MLW, TNA, and multiple other promotions until he finally retired for good back in 2017. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame alongside his brother Dory in 2009. He also inducted his good friend and oftentimes rival Mick Foley in 2013. Uh, Back in 2021, he was diagnosed with dementia, and that is where his poor health started, uh, and now he's no longer here. All right, Sid, this is about to be a tough part of this segment. I know it is going to be for you, but we got to start with Funker. What do you got to say say about the Funker? In the 90s, you had cats that were worried about their spot on the card. You know? 
You had your Hulk Hogan's, your Ric Flair's, you know, guys that were extremely picky to give up their spot if they did it all. They had forgotten the number one rule. Well, one of the top rules in wrestling, in pro wrestling, which is remember who put you on top. Because one day you're going to have to put the younger people on top to get them ready to take over. So when this Philadelphia promotion, Eastern Championship Wrestling, got taken over and became Extreme Championship Wrestling, Terry Funk went over there. And when Terry Funk went over there, he could have been possessive over a spot. He could have been. But he wasn't. He went to Paul Heyman. He said, I'll make this guy. I'll put this guy over. I can work with this guy. Because he was determined to get the business ready for the next generation. He knew he had to pass it off. And some people, sadly, never were kept to that one key lesson. But Terry Funk did. And despite... All the man, where it comes to the, the hardcore matches, there are three wrestlers that you can line up all time and say these guys founded hardcore. Abdullah the Butcher, the late Bruiser Brody, and the late T Terry Funk. And one thing that I don't think Champ mentioned could be wrong, he and his brother Dory their dad was a wrestling promoter in West Texas, which tells you how and why they understood the, the meaning of the business. Funker, we love you, man. This fucking sucks. Champ, I yield. Um, yeah, so I remember watching Barely Legal. I didn't watch it when it came on live, but I remember watching it when it became available on the network and watching funk in his 50s become a world champion and i just thought that was the most incredible thing the story the the, the support that he had it was absolutely amazing to see Dor terry funk as a world champion because i didn't get to see him as a world champion in his prime i wasn't even thought of then but i was able to see it when it happened in 1997 um i also got to you know watch back the highlights of his brutal and bloody wars with Mick Foley in Japan those barbed wire exploding depth matches that he had with, with Mick Foley absolutely incredible carnage and absolutely like poetic like beautifully poetic just violence I mean it was just, um, just crazy amazing to watch but I mean he was such the consummate professional he was such a consummate professional. He took a really weird character like Chainsaw Charlie, and he owned it, and he made it his. Everybody knew who he was, but they, they, he was Chainsaw Charlie. And then when he finally shed the Chainsaw Charlie character, and he was just Terry Funk, he took a very young Too Cold Scorpio, who he worked with at ECW as well. Let's not forget that. Took him under his wing and, and guided him through his career which I thought, again, shows how much of a consummate professional he is. And I just, you know, I just think that the wrestling world just lost a very, very 
integral part of of the of the fabric of this business and someone that even though he was going through dementia could probably still provide such great knowledge and wisdom to some younger uh, wrestling fans as well as younger wrestlers themselves and I think his death is it, it just really sucks, especially because we knew he was in poor health, but there was nothing that came out that said that he was in such poor health that he was going to leave us at 79. Uh, but here we are. He is uh, no longer with us. And then if it, if it wasn't enough, uh, the very next day, within 24 hours, we see a tweet. Uh, well, this was sent by Sid, but a tweet comes across on Twitter. I still call it Twitter. I don't call it X like that. A tweet comes out from Triple H, and Triple H announced that via a phone call from his father, uh, Mike uh, Mike Rotunda, that Wyndham Rotunda, also known as Bray Wyatt, had suddenly and unexpectedly passed away at the age of 36. Here was the tweet that Triple H sent out on August the 24th, quote, I, I just received a call from WWE Hall of Famer Mike Rotunda, who informed us of the tragic news that our WWE family member for life, Wyndham Rotunda, also known as Bray Wyatt, unexpectedly passed away, passed earlier today. Our thoughts are with his family, and we ask that everyone respect their privacy at this time. So... Yeah, um, this is this one hurts a lot more, uh, a lot, lot more because of the fact that we a lot of us actually saw Bray Wyatt grow in, into what he was from his time in NXT all the way to all the way up to his death. We knew him as Husky Harris mm-hmm. when they were when the NXT was just a game show. Right, and then he was Husky yep. Harris in the in the in the in the Nexus, but then he Nexus. suffered an unfortunate injury and stuff like that, and he was gone for a while, and he came back as Bray Wyatt, the Eater of Worlds, and he's had so many different iterations and and changes to his character over the years that have kept him both interesting and intriguing to a lot of to to fans. So. It was reported on Thursday night after uh, the de- his death was, was announced. Sean Rossap of Fightful received a call from the one Rotunda family directly, stating the reason behind the the cause of death for Bray Wyatt, which was a heart attack that he suffered. Uh, they said that um, he had been dealing with heart issues, which were quote unquote exacerbated uh, when he had contracted COVID nineteen earlier on this year, which would explain why when he had his program was starting his program with uh with Bobby Lashley for WrestleMania it was scrapped and he was taken off of all storylines because that that mysterious illness was his heart problems being exacerbated by the fact that he had had COVID-19 so Sap did add that he was given permission to reveal the details of his death by the Wyndham fam by Wyndham's family in order to have clarification on his uh time on his passing so this is tough. The last time we seen Bray Wyatt uh on WWE TV, he had a pre-recorded video 
uh, on during the February 27th edition of Raw, uh, where he had taunted Bobby Lashley and basically trying to set up the program. But then again, it was scrapped because of the health issues that Bray had ran into. Uh, prior to that, his last match came um, during the uh, during a, ma- a lights out street fight during a live event in Rockford, Illinois, against L.A. Knight. Uh, but his last televised match was, of course, the, uh, the match, Mountain Dew match that he had at the Royal Rumble. And uh, was it at the Royal Rumble? I was at the Royal Rumble. I want to say I it was that or Survivor Series, but yeah. But either way, that was, so this is what happened. So Bray Wyatt, again passes away at the age of 36 he leaves behind a wife and two children wife jojo offerman and two children uh very very sad he also is uh leaves behind his hall of fame dad uh mike rotunda formerly known as erwin r shyster as well as his brother uh bo dallas who a lot of people were saying was the man behind the uncle howdy character uh when he made his when bray made his return after being released from the company uh in 2021 um gotta start with yusuf i know and like i said this back to back literally back to back yeah literally back oh, it was to the, back. it it was the rumble it was the rumble because they yeah. said he was on the live reactions yeah you know <sighs> When this hit Thursday night and Sean Ross Sapp released the cause of death and everything, I was already upset because Bray was gone. I was already upset because he was gone. You know, we're talking about a father. We're talking about a husband. We're talking about a creative mind. The whole nine yards. Get it? Got it? Good. What the man did for modern-day WWE cannot be understated enough. A lot of these people have come out and have said that, hey, Bray was on point. Bray had a vision. And a lot of the times the vision actually met what people wanted to work with them. As I said on TikTok yesterday, these anti-vaxxers need to shut the fuck up period end of story because i am sick to death of them trancing on every single medical condition related to the heart and saying oh 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 it's vaccinating shut up the man wasn't even 12 hours deceased before the anti-vaxxers started their bullshit now how harmful that is to the family that's grieving right now do do these people comprehend at all how it allows us the iwc the fans to feel right now we're mourning the loss of a modern day legend and an all-time legend and this bullshit comes out we're talking about a guy who had a vision of The best way to describe The Fiend would be The Shining. You know, the split personalities and everything. And it worked. At first, when Champ and I saw the Firefly Fun House on Redown, we're like, what's this? But we want to see where this goes, though. So we did that. And 
this just hit hard. It hit so hard that Hector messaged me on what the comment on one of my TikTok videos about it. Bray, we love you, man. Well, we also love Wyndham, the family man as well. You know, so God, please watch over Terry's family as well as Barry's, you know, as well as Wyndham's family as well, because they're all going through major heartache right now. Champ. Yeah, I mean, again, like this hits really hard because of the fact, like I said, I got to watch him pretty much evolve right before our very eyes. Mm -hmm. I got to witness that. This, you know, felt just as painful as, and they're going to, I'm going to date myself here, but fuck it. Over the Edge 1999. Yeah. One heart. (laughs) It's it's just that painful. I I remember the feeling, and I was still I was a teenager, dude. I was a teenager. I was seventeen. I was getting ready to turn seventeen. Yeah. And you know it, it's it's it was just crazy because I, I got to watch Owen Hart for a lot of his career, and for him to have it cut short the way that it is did was really painful. Now to see this happen, it's it's been really really painful. Um. There have been a lot of, of tributes from a lot of superstars uh, and wrestlers across the spectrum for Wyndham Rotunda. Even AEW printed, uh, uh, tweeted out uh, a photo in, in memory of him uh, on their Twitter with a statement from Tony Khan. Uh, Impact also uh, tweeted out a photo as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Miz, Shinsuke Nakamura, Nak- uh, Natalia, Sami Zayn, Selena Vega, Nikia Lyons, Adam Pierce, Cody Rhodes, John Cena, Baron Corbin, uh, Karrion Cross, Scarlett. The list just goes on and on, sharing tributes on um, on social media, on Twitter, and things of that nature. You've even had Hall of Famers like Kane and X-Pac uh, posting on there. Also, uh, someone like Trinity. Uh, Trinity also posted a tweet, quote, can't stop tears, sending my love and prayers to the entire mm-hmm. Rotunda family. Uh, Dax Harwood also, because, you know, he shared the ring with them as a part of the revival. Uh, he said, quote, life ain't always beautiful. Words feel useless. I'll never forget your laugh. I'm jealous you get to be with Brody. Rest in peace, Wyndham. Everyone, love your loved ones. Um, so that just shows you the type of impact that, Wyndham Rotunda, Bray Wyatt had on this industry. He every a lot of the tributes that came out all talked about him being one of the most creative minds in wrestling, and you could tell by his presentation from his inner world days all the way up to the iteration he had prior to his passing that his mind is on a different level when it comes to the <laughs> type of character that he wanted to have presented. And he knew what he wanted to do with that character, and he did it. And that's what really, you know, impressed me the most about Bray Wyatt, about Wyndham Rotunda. And I would have loved to have seen what would have happened with that program with him and Bobby Lashley had he not gotten sick. Yeah. So uh, very tragic to get this news, especially 24 hours after we learned of the, the passing of Terry Funk. And then 
Saturday, the other shoe, the third shoe dropped. Uh, as you know, as I said, death happens in threes. As we were be, uh, we would receive an announcement that former Prices Right host and someone who played as a guest host on Monday Night Raw a few uh, decade or so ago. Bob Barker passed away at the age of 99 uh, from natural causes. Uh, the news was broken, of course, by TMZ. Uh, they said that he had died of natural causes in his Los Angeles residence early Saturday morning. Uh, Barker, of course, uh, began his career at broadcasting, attending Drury College, and then moved to L.A. where he was discovered by, by game show producer Ralph Edwards, who had him host Truth or Consequences back in 1956. Uh, But, of course, his most memorable gig was his 35-year run as the host of The Price is Right on CBS. Trust me, there were many mornings when I was uh, staying in South Carolina that we would watch Bob Barker on The Price is Right and uh, stuff like that. Uh, Of course, he was on there uh, for there. And then two years after his retirement, uh, he had... um, reprises role in a more modified version of the show where um, he actually served as a guest host on the September 7th 2009 edition of Raw which was called The Price is Raw from the the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. Uh, There was there was, of course, a lot of criticism about the guest host era, but he was widely regarded as one of the best to have that role where he held a special edition of his former game show, which featured Santino Morella, Santino Morella, Jillian Hall, Erwin R. Scheister, and Chris Jericho as contestants. Um, and there was, you know, of course, he um, Jericho didn't even like it, but he ended up winning and ended up winning a best of, uh, WWE SmackDown three-disc set. Uh, and things like that. So, as far as I'm concerned, you know, he would be considered third because of his contribution to that episode of Raw, which, uh, which actually Sith made a note of this earlier that he won a Slammy for yep. this for this appearance. Uh, so Bob Barker, another symbol of a lot of our childhoods, is no longer here. Uh, passed away at the age of 99. Sith. I hope you got one more tribute in you, my friend. This This, This this sucks. Look, I was talking to Whitney earlier um, because when this news broke, I called her. And I said, gone are the days where you could get home from school. You're not feeling good. Bring the ginger ale, some chicken noodle soup, some crackers, and the price is right. You know, um, whenever I was sick, that was the thing, was chicken noodle soup, ginger ale, crackers, and I'd lay up on the couch and watch The Price is Right on our local CBS affiliate that's still CBS, well, whatever. Um, When he did that guest host on Raw, that was in one of my sabbatical modes where it came to pro wrestling. I wasn't watching it that much, but I went back, watched it the next day because some friends of mine were saying, oh, you got to see this. This was awesome. And although it was pretty fucking good, you know, but leaving aside all the controversies with the guy, we're not here to do that. The man is a pop culture, was a pop culture icon where it comes to game show hosts 
the sky is the Mount Rushmore of game show hosts. It's like Bob Barker, Alex Trebek, and Pat Sajak are like right here. And then the floor is just about everyone else, in my view. Because those were the three that really defined my youth for game show hosting. So, hey, Bob, do us all a favor. Um, find Alex Trebek up in the great beyond and tell him, hey, we love him. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Champ. I mean, it's just... I, I just echo what you just said. I mean, I, like I said, there were many uh, times when I was staying in South Carolina for a couple weeks or something for the summer, and we would get it would be this familiar thing of like, you know, you would watch The Price is Right, and then it would go into the soap operas, the stories, my mom calls them. Um, yep. And it was, a, it was a familiar thing every week was that, you know, because at the time, my, my grandparents didn't have cable. All they had was network TV, so we didn't have a lot of, of options of what to watch. So we would sit there, we would watch that, and then in the evening we would watch uh, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy after the evening mm-hmm. news. You know, yep. that was that was what we did growing up. And like you said, Pat Sajak, Alex Trebek, and Bob Barker—they were the, the they were the three pillars of mm-hmm. game shows. You know, yep. they were the three pillars. Uh, you can't forget the guy who hosts. Um, the original family feud he's he would be the fourth yeah, pillar richard I can't, dawson. I can't thank you very much richard dawson mm-hmm. he would be the fourth pillar uh in my opinion he would be the fourth pillar and it is it's, it's just, he hosted match games back in the 70s that guy was cool too so but um it's mm-hmm. it's 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 really crazy to yeah. think that in the span of four days We've lost three people who had some kind of influence on the wrestling world. Four days, three guys. Death happens in threes. I usually believe it, and sure enough, here it is. I was afraid I was going to be right about this, and I'm 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 sad that I am because we've lost three very very uh, very very immensely awesome individuals who had such a great influence on this sport, and um, it's really sad. So of course, as always, because we have had people passing passing in the wrestling world we are going to toll the bell 10 times in memory of all three of these amazing amazing individuals wwe hall of famer terry funk former wwe champion bray wyatt and one of the most iconic game show hosts and guest hosts of raw in the history none other than mr bob barker Rest in peace, gentlemen. Rest in peace. All right. All right. We got to change the mood up here a little bit. We done went, went sad the last couple, last several minutes. So 
let's bring it back up here. Let's talk some New Japan here. New Japan had a nice little stay in Philadelphia last weekend. The All-Star Junior Festival and the Multiverse United 2 event. Uh, we're going to start off talking about the All-Star Junior Festival, which took place on Saturday night. We had a kickoff match that started to open up the, the show uh, with Goldie taking on Vinny Pacifico. I got to watch this, I got to watch this entire event, and Goldie's a really impressive performer. He really impressed me in this one. He won with a springboard knee in 8 minutes and 20 seconds to get the victory. Then we will open the show proper with a very unique tag match, pitting Yo and Matt Seidel taking on uh, Bushi and Shun Skywalker. It was a part of the matchup where Skywalker went to do the miss, and he missed the, his opponent and got Bushi. Uh, it would later be, be failed Bushi because he would get put in the five-star clutch and pin. After the match, as he tried to have a show of respect to Shun Skywalker, he plays Black Mist in Shun Skywalker's face and walks off. So there you go. Uh, next up, we will have our first first-round match in the All-Star Junior Festival USA Tournament. Kevin Knight with an inside cradle defeating IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion Clark Connors. After the match, Connors would attack Kevin Knight to try to take him out of the finals. It would not happen, but Connors, but Clark, uh, not Clark, Kevin Knight would go into the finals badly damaged after the beatdown, after the match and beatdown, uh, but he would get the win to Kevin Knight in under 10 minutes, 9.58 to be exact. The other uh, first-round match that followed would be Mike Bailey defeating Francisco Akira with the Flamingo driver in 13 minutes and 31 seconds to, uh, be, to get into the finals. This was another fantastic matchup. I mean, really fantastic matchup between these two, and that's where we would go. And then next up, we would have our... Uh, we will have our tag match between Starboy Charlie, Jack Cartwheel, and Real One versus the DKC Rich Swan and Ryusuke Taguchi Swan hitting a 450 splash uh, to get the victory for his team in 15 minutes and 8 seconds in a match which start which it was late to start because Real One decided to get on the microphone and just say the same shit over and over again. So there you go. Uh, then we will have the Lucky Dip tag match where eight individuals got into the ring and their names would be picked at random to see whose team would they be on. It would be Kosei Fujita, Alex Shelley, Robbie Eagles, and Chris Bay on one team against Ace Austin, TJP, Cheeseburger, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru on the other team. So the ABC got split up while Fujita was able to team with his TMDK uh, stablemate, Robbie Eagles. And then on top of that, with this being Kosei Fujita's first match in America and his first match as not a, as not, as not a young lion anymore, Kosei Fujita pinned Cheeseburger. Being with the stalling German suplex at 17, at 17 minutes even to get his very first victory uh, on his world tour, on his excursion world tour. We will have our five-way match next up, which will be the shortest, which will be a very short match of seven minutes, 15 seconds with Sobriano Jr. hitting his Sobriano driver. By the way, that Sobriano driver is nasty looking. Like, I got scared seeing that movie perform on Casey Navarro, but he would pin the Warrior Wrestling Champion Casey Navarro to win over him, Fugaz, Leo Rush and Dragon Kid. We would also see in a tag match Desperado and Mao uh, take on the East West Express, Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne. A physical encounter. It's my first chance to see Mao, and Mao was really impressive. I already know what Desperado is about and Nick Wayne, but I was also impressed with Jordan Oliver. But it would be a pinche loco by Desperado to get the victory. 19 minutes, 14 seconds, the match time. Then we would have our Pat's King of Stakes. 
Philly Cheesesteak Cup three-way tag team ladder match. A wild affair that even saw Blake Christian turn on Master Watson, who got busted open the hard way in this matchup. But stayed in it. But it would be Doki and Low Rider who would acquire the bag and win the match. They would win themselves some cheesesteaks, which ended up they give got they gave away to some people in the crowd. Rocky stole a couple of them, gave half to Hiromu. It was a whole thing. It was crazy. And then in our main event, it was the finals of the All Star Junior Festival USA tournament. Kevin Knight against Mike Bailey, and another match that went almost twenty minutes, nineteen fifty three to be exact. And Mike Bailey would, once again, using the Flamingo driver, would get the victory, claim the tournament win, and then would call out and challenge Hiromu Takahashi for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, in which Hiromu would gladly accept. But there's more to that story in just a bit, because now we shift gears to what happened on Sunday. Multiverse United 2, for whom the bell tolls, it opened with a six-man tag match that saw Yuya Yurimura team with Joe Hendry and Heat representing Impact taking on Master Wato, Rocky Romero, and Ryusuke Taguchi representing New Japan. And then a cross by by Yurimura on Taguchi would get them the victory. Match would go 10 minutes and 19 seconds. We will have our opening match on the main card would be for their digital media. Well, this is also on the kickoff. For the Digital Media Championship, uh, Kenny K with a successful defense of the championship using the Royal Flush to defeat Yoshinobu Kanemaru to retain the championship. We will have our X Division Junior Heavyweight Scramble, which was an eight-minute, six-second, like, quick fest, like, quick, quick, quick. But it will be Chris Saban coming out on top with the Cradle Shock on Bushi. Uh, Bushi would uh, still, bl- like, blow mist into somebody's face. I can't remember who it was, but he blew mist in somebody's face, and it was funny. Then TMDK versus Impact would go the way of Impact with Moose spearing Shane Haste to defeat Haste and Zack Sabre Jr. with his uh, Moose be- his partner being Eddie Edwards. In our New Japan Strong Women's Championship four-way match, Julia, in her second defense of the championship, was able to get the Northern Lights bomb on Giselle Shaw to retain the championship in 12 minutes and 22 seconds. Uh, Other members of the matchup included Deanna Perrazzo and Momo Kogo. Our South Philly street fight, it turned into a South Philly street fight before the match even started. Doki will get taken out by Cactus Driver 97, uh, I believe, on a stack of chairs, like on, a, on chairs stacked up, to give him, Sammy Callahan the victory in 12 minutes and 46 seconds. Our t- uh, we had a traditional tag team match with Catch 2-2 taking on TMDK's Robbie Eagles and Kosei Fuja in 24 hours after getting his very first win uh, as a graduated young lion now uh, on his excursion on World Tour. He would take his first loss as he would suffer the 2-2 by TJP and Francisco Akira to give them the victory. Then it would be Bullet Club versus the World, the big 12-man tag team matchup that would see David Finley, Kenta, Clark Connors, Alex Coughlin, and ABC team to take on Josh Alexander, PCO, Tama Tonga, Tangaloa, El Phantasma, and the DKC. And it would be Finley, the never openweight champion, getting a powerbomb and a victory, pinning the DKC 14 minutes and 9 seconds was this match here. And then our we had our, our, main, our semifinal, semi-main event, Leo Rush scoring a huge victory over uh, Hiromu Takahashi and Mike Bailey. He would hit a low blow on Hiromu and get the pinfall. 
uh, to get the victory, uh, he was teaming with Trey Miguel, was the X Division champion. And then after the matchup, he would then challenge Hiromu for the championship, which Hiromu would accept, leaving Mike Bailey sitting behind, standing behind him, confused because he's like, wait, you already going to allow me to challenge this and a third. So it, it would set up, though, and it was, we announced, it was announced uh, uh, shortly thereafter that Hiromu Takahashi will defend the IWGP uh, Junior Heavyweight Championship against both Leo Rush and Mike Bailey on October the 9th in Rio Goku for the Destruction in Rio Goku event. So that match will take place. And then in our main event, Hiroshi Tanahashi, who once again doesn't have front teeth. I don't know how he keeps having his front teeth knocked out. I don't know. I don't want to know. But he would challenge Alex Shelley for the Impact World Championship. Tanahashi becoming the first wrestler to challenge for the IWGP World Heavyweight AEW World Championship and Impact World Championship in the same year. Uh, but he would be unsuccessful in this one as he was for the first two. Shell shot by Alex Shelley, and he retains in 18 minutes and 52 seconds to remain the champion. He now, Shelley, looks forward to his next challenge uh, coming up. So we have that. That's it for the weekend in Philly. But one last bit of business here is that uh, it was revealed on social media by New Japan Pro Wrestling that the next tour after Destruction, after they do uh, the Royal Quest event in London, England, it will be the Road to Power Struggle, which will also be, which will also consist of the Super Junior Tag League 2023 tournament. Uh, the first event will take place on Saturday, October the 21st in Saitama at the Kumagaya Citizen Gymnasium uh, on the 21st. There will be stops also in, in Corquin Hall, also in Saitama, Fukushima, Nagata, Toyama, Ishikawa, as, with a final stop in Osaka, uh, with a final sign of soccer before the big event power struggle and potentially the finals of uh, Super Junior Tag League taking place in Osaka on the 4th of November. Uh, the dates are as follows. It will be October the 21st, October the 24th, the 26th, the 28th, the 30th, the 31st, November the 1st, November the 2nd, and then on Saturday, November the 4th is the end of the tour with power struggle and the potential World Tag, the Super Junior Tag League. Uh, finals. Uh, we will keep an eye on that in, in, in terms of what the uh, in terms of streaming. If New Japan is going to stream the entire tour, then we, will, me and Sage, will discuss whether we are going to do a podcast series because again, it's not that many dates, so it's not going to be that much to talk about. If we're if anything, so if anything, we may just do like a, a extended version of the New Japan recap on the weekly podcast uh, to talk about it or anything like that. But we'll we'll keep an eye on the situation and let you know what we plan to do with that. Uh, but for right now, that's where we are when it comes to New Japan. We get a lot happened over uh, the weekend in Philly, and there you go. Hey, champ. Yes. I'm going to holler at Hector real quick. Go ahead. He said someone should have told Enzo Mori to shut up. Callahan would have shut him up in a cold minute. <laughs> I just didn't understand what the fuck was the need for him to get on the microphone and just start talking and just just talk 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 and he repeated a lot of the same shit That's like over and over again. It was just like okay, my it's like okay, my G, you gotta you gotta you gotta just we got we got a match to do here. Like yeah. we don't we're not here to, for you to like run your mouth. We're here to have a match, you know. 
problem is that it's his shtick, and it's just like, dude, come on. You're a good wrestler. Do more than talk on the stack. Let's fucking wrestle. All right, now it's time to talk about AEW All In. Expected 80 plus thousand are expected in Wembley Stadium for AEW's first ever trip to the UK for a show. And man, they're going to put on a big show. There are a lot of matches on here. Officially, right now, there are 10 matches officially scheduled for this show. Two on these, like, one on the zero hour, and then the remaining on the main card. So we're going to be talking about all of those uh, here with our preview of All In. As you know, our preview includes our predictions for the event as well as our preliminary grades for the event. Of course, our predictions will be on our Facebook page, but they will be on our Facebook page later on tonight because there is a match that is going to be added to the event that will be made official on collision so in order to not provide any collision spoilers that like the <laughs> the complete predictions with that additional match will be added to our facebook page later on tonight it'll be so up there you go tonight there you go all right, so let's start talking about what we do have official, and that is, first off, we're going to talk about our non-title matches, and then we'll get into our title matches. Uh, first off, our first non-title match is a stipulation match. It is a coffin match pitting Darby Allin and Sting versus Swerve Strickland, and now, you know, quote-unquote TNT champion, not really the TNT champion, uh, Christian Cage. Uh, Cage was a late replacement after A.R. Fox was fired from the Mogul Embassy on this past Wednesday's edition of Dynamite. Uh, and so now Christian Cage will be in the matchup. Uh, Sith, what did you think about this? What do you think about this match here? This has been a fun feud. And the bigger question is, what crazy fucked up stunts will we see with a 64-year-old Sting as he still has it? Although, champ, and I pray he won't try to up the ante like he has a reputation of doing so. The Mongol Embassy, fun stable to watch. And the addition of Christian Cage is a solid one for this match where you don't know what will happen next as to what Cage is thinking at the end of the day. Along with Darby and Sting here, but this is going to be a wild spot fest. Sure. Uh, I'm picking Darby Allen and Sting to win this one. I think that, you know, Darby's been pretty money in these coffin matches. I think he's only lost one, uh, but he's been pretty money in these coffin matches, and I know it's going to be wild and crazy. And I think Christian is going to really show that, hey, I w I've been off for a while, but I'm back in, I'm in the groove, and I could go into a match like this and yep. really, really rock it out. Uh, you know that uh, Prince Nana and, and Luchasaurus are going to have some kind of involvement in there, but you also got to believe that Nick Wayne and A.R. Fox are going to also be close by as well uh, to have some, some uh, effect in this one. But I'm definitely going with Darby and Stay to win, to, to, to win this one. All right, next up, we have a six-man tag team matchup where it will be the Golden Elite, that is uh Kota Ibushi, Kenny Omega, yes. and Hangman Adam Page. Uh, they will be going up against the team of Kanosuke Takeshita and representing Bullet Club Gold, the Bang Bang Gang, uh, Juice Robinson, and Switchblade Jay White. What do you got on this one, Sith? Uh, time for the Golden Elite to saddle up as they have the Bang Bang 
Bullet Club Gold was content, uh, Konosuke Takeshita as their opposition. I know a lot of people are upset that we aren't getting Omega Osprey 3, but that's coming at Wrestle Kingdom come January, and that is going to be a banger. Kota Ibushi joins his old friend Omega, as well as Hangman Adam Page here. And you have to wonder what Takeshita, Jay White, and Juice Robinson have in mind here, but I'm rocking with the Golden Elite here. Yeah, I'm, I'm also going with the Golden Elite as well. I honestly think that they're going to get the, the victory here, and I think it's going to be a really, really nice matchup. I honestly think this is going to be a fun matchup yeah. uh, for this for this group to to do and i think it's going to be very unique but i think that the it will it will go the way of the golden elite hopefully you know kota ibushi looks a lot better in this one than he did in the blood and guts match uh i pray that he does i'm pretty sure you know with the layoffs of not wrestling as often as he did when he was in japan and new japan it's probably a little bit yeah. of a different feel it's probably a little bit of a different thing for him uh than it was when he was a regular and things like that so there you go all right next we have uh uh what we we have the another stadium stampede match yes indeed stadium stampede that was altered mm -hmm. after ray phoenix was written off of aew programming for injury due to a report that came out saying that he wouldn't be able to make the trip to london because of uh visa issues and so, yep. because of that, they had to find a way to write him off the team, off the uh, the match. So they did that. But now we're gonna have Eddie Kingston teaming with Orange Cassidy, the best friends, and Penta Ezra Miro to take on the team of the BCC, which is Moxie, Yuta, and Claudio Castagnoli, with two extra individuals joining them who made their returns on Dynamite, none other than proud and powerful Santana and Ortiz. Uh, who you got in this one, Sith? Ladies and gentlemen, I've traveled across a great state tonight. Let me stop the let there will be blood re reference because there will be blood here. Look, let's get ready to rumble here. This is going to be something that won't be a five-star match, but all hell is going to break loose here. Eddie Kingston is a pretty cool alliance here with Pentelzer Mieta, Orange Cassidy, and the best friends. I love this matchup, though. You've got the three of the black... You've got the Blackpool Combat Club, right? And Proud and Powerful are back. And it's just a question of who do I think is going to come out of this slobber knocker? I'm going with the Blackpool Combat Club, Santana and Ortiz, but it could go either way. Champ? Uh, I'm going the other way with this. I think Team Kingston wins this one. I think that, you know, especially with what happened on Dynamite where – uh uh, Eddie ran into Renee Paquette after the attack, and he was like, you know, very, very hostile towards her and said, you want me to fix this? I'll fix it in Wembley. I'll fix it in Wembley. I think that Team Kingston wins, especially given the fact that, you know, lest we forget, Eddie Kingston is a current New Japan champion. He's a strong openweight champion. So even if the elite, yep. lose, even if his team loses, I don't see him getting pinned, honestly, because he is oh, no. a champion yeah, and man. also is Orange Cassidy. I think that one, I think that the beat, I think that Willie Uter eats the pin here. I think he went, eats the pin. I think Team Kings, Kingston wins it. All right. Next up, we have a singles match between a singles match that was 
I didn't think I I I, I need wanted to see, but now I kind of want to see it. Uh, Chris Jericho <laughs> against Will Ospreay. Uh, Ospreay, as you know, is the current IWGP US slash UK champion. Uh, he came in and attacked Chris after Chris initially wanted to join Don Callis's family, but then Callis had a picture of him holding Jericho's head, thinking he's going to decline. It led to a whole thing, and now we're getting this matchup. And then that that segment they had on Dynamite on Wednesday really sealed it for me. Like, okay, I can't wait to see this match. What do you think, yeah. sir? Oh, man. Look, a week and a half ago, a week and a half ago, okay, I was mildly invested in this match. As y'all will find out in the weekend review, now I am fully invested in this match. But I've got a main question here. Is anyone from the JS going to cost Jericho the match via joining the Don Callis family? And I think it's possible. Osprey, one of the top wrestlers in the world. There's no denying that. Without a doubt, he's a major workhorse. Jericho, although he's in his 50s, he still moves, has that swag. Gotta love it. Either way, Osprey's winning. And I'm also willing to say that Sammy Guevara in the coming weeks will join the Don Callis family. I'm also going with Osprey winning, but I don't think that's going to happen only because they are really, you know, again, Sammy's getting the face pots. And when they tried to turn him face that one time, it was almost forced and people didn't uh, didn't uh-huh. go for it. This face turn feels more organic. I think they're going to ride that wave. I don't think they're going to absolutely like destroy it by having them turn heel again and join Don Callis and things like that. I just don't see it. But you know, you know what? It's AEW. You never know what they're going to do and crap when it comes to booking. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did pull the trigger and turn him heel after he gets a natural organic babyface reaction, given the fact that he's about to be a first time father to his uh, his his married Mm -hmm. his wife who's also a wrestler. I mean, I just feel like they, they, they would do some shit like that, honestly. They would do some shit like they that. Would. All right, now for our championship matches. We will start off in our zero hour with the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship match. Uh, it will be Aussie Open, Mark Davis, and Kyle Fletcher defending the championships against Better Than You, baby. That would be Adam Cole, baby, and the, uh, the AEW World Champion, MJF. Uh, we would assume that this will probably be, be – uh, this will probably be, again, the other match that's yet to be confirmed, I, I believe, is going to be on the Zero Hour as well. This will probably be the either first or the second match on the Zero Hour. We'll have to see. But what do you got in this one? I think it's pretty obvious who wins this. At least to me it is. But I don't yeah. know. Maybe you might have something different. I mean, it's obvious. Sage just said it for me. But look, for those complaining that this is on the Zero Hour, it's because the tag team opposing the Aussie Open is in your main event. So you had to get this match off, get Colin and Jeff ready for the main event, etc. Big question is this, though. Will Adam Cole do the surprise heel turn on MJF, or will MJF break it off in a predicted turn here? I've got Aussie Open retaining here, but goddammit, could we see a double turn where Cole turns heel and MJF is the babyface? That is the ponderous question, which will be answered later in the pay-per-view jail. 
Yeah, I'm also going with Aussie Open. I'm. I feel like the the, the turn's going to happen, but I don't know. I don't. It, it could happen during the tag match. It would make the most sense yeah. if they are. If someone's going to turn, it's got to be during the tag match. But the good the question that you pose, which is a great one, is who's does who's turning? Will Cole turn and become a heel with MJF being the unlikely babyface, or will it be the predictable MJF heel turn? Because he's really, really, really get. He's really laid this on thick, saying I'm not just Ace scumbag i'm your scumbag type of scumbag. Guy, type of vibe and i'm just telling you like he's really laying it on to really set up him, him making the turn to be really really impactful so i wouldn't be surprised if he's the one that turns but i would be even more surprised i would be really surprised if it was adam cole anyway uh, so that's our first championship. Before we get into the rest of the card, something from Alex uh, asking a question about whether Bo Dallas should get a push in WWE, similar to what happened with uh, Rey Mysterio after Eddie's passing and with what happened with Mark Briscoe after his brother Jay's passing. So, say, Sith, I'll ask you the question. Do you think Bo Dallas should get a push in WWE uh, off the heels of his brother's passing? He might get a push. Um, there's some people who have been calling for him to take over the Uncle How the Uncle Howdy story and expand that out a bit. Um, I've seen calls for it online in the last 24 to 48 hours, especially on Twitter, X, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I just go to Twitter.com, so it really doesn't matter to me. But we'll wait and see what happens. It's a wait and see thing. I wouldn't mind seeing a put. You know, Bo Dallas getting a push, either as Bo Dallas or as Uncle Howdy. But the problem with pushing him, though, is how long is it going to last? Because you have so many people that you have to cut through right now. And you've got some people that just are fucking there on TV just to be there for three-minute matches and done. So if they do, I'll be happy. If not, totally understand. Jim, I I don't I I don't, and I don't want to sound like a prick here. I really don't, but I don't <laughs> think you push him. What are you pushing him for? What are you pushing him towards? Let's. I don't. I look. The Ray thing made sense. You know, he he. You know, Eddie and him were close. He ends up going, winning the Royal Rumble, yep. winning the world title. Cool. It made sense. You know, because they were close. Uh, um. Eddie and like Mark and Jay, they were brothers. They were multiple time World yeah. Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. And J Mark didn't even get pushed that much. He was supposed to challenge for the world title, but injured his knee. So, I, you know, that kind of made sense. But at the same time, it kind of did not. But yeah. Bo Dallas has been gone for a long, long time. And now he's this Uncle Howdy character. And you're going to have Uncle Howdy go out there and get pushed towards like again what are you pushing him towards the best you could do to push him towards is an as uh, the u.s title because you yeah. damn sure ain't you damn sure not gonna make me believe he's a credible threat to roman's title no way oh, there's oh no, no there's no fucking way he's a, you're gonna make me believe he's a credible threat to the undisputed wwe universal championship there's no way. No matter what you do, there's no way that either Uncle Howdy or Bo Dallas himself can be made and booked in a way that he would be a believable, credible threat to Roman's championship and Roman's status at the top of the card. There's no way. So I'm just going to say no. I'm just going to say no. Don't push him. 
Don't push mm-hmm. him. I get you want to, you know, some, you know, his brother passed this, that, third. But we can't just keep doing this every time someone's uh, family member who's a, rest, a current wrestler passes away. Because then you're going to leave a lot of people behind who have been putting in the work to be able to get into those positions all because their family member died. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Sage makes a great point. He says, a push don't have to be major. Let's get him featured on television more. See, there that I can get with. That I can yep. get with. Let's not push him like title contention push him. But, yeah, get him on TV more. Get him a few victories and things like that to help honor his brother and then, you know, go that route. I don't want to I, I see a, a push like what Ray got when Eddie died, especially because of the fact that Ray and Eddie weren't even related. They were just very, very close friends. Yeah. But it led to uh, Eddie, Ray having these tributes to Eddie, and it led to Ray getting the push to the world title in 2006. Um, but so that's what I want to see. I would want to see more, him more on TV, but let's not push him to a title. Let's not push him to a title, please. Uncle Howdy creates his faction in memory of Bray. Do you want that? Now, that I could possibly get behind. That I'm on board with. That I could get behind. I think that would, because then, again, there's your push right there. He decides to pick up where Bray left off and creates that that six. He calls it the Howdy six. Yep. He calls it the Howdy six, and they go go about like that. I I can get with that. I'm I'm good on that. I I, I like that. I like that. All right, let's keep it moving. We're still talking about AEW All In, and we're going to talk about the AEW World Tag Team Championship match, which is still going on despite uh, the legal issues that Cash Wheeler is facing. As you know, we talked about on the podcast last week that um, Cash Wheeler was arrested on a warrant on a felony uh, aggravated uh, assault with a with a firearm, uh, but his passport clearly was not seized. So, and there was no order given by the judge that he couldn't travel. For work or anything like that so he is still going to be able to um he's still going to be able to travel to england for this matchup this is the third match in the trilogy between these two both teams have gotten a win over each other and it's both all three this is the third match is also going to be for the championships so sith the third match in the trilogy which way does it go I should tell you right there, this should be a fun match and a good trilogy of matches. But deep down, we're dealing with issues here because of what we covered last week and on the podcast with the arrest of Cash Wheeler. And it's a bit of an uncertainty here. This is going to be an insane match. And I know that odds are FTR will have to drop the straps here because of set legal issues. And I'm going with that. The Young Bucks win. Jim? I was going to go with that. But I decided that since they're still allowing Cash Wheeler to even show up to Dynamite and Rampage and Collision and the pay-per-view, I think FTR retains. I think that they're going to hold on to him because they don't want to preemptively take them off and then the legal process plays out and he doesn't miss time. And it's like, damn, you just ended their reign like that. Though it would be... Pretty, it would be pretty epic for them to end the trilogy with the Young Bucks ending their reign, but they've had such a good run and they have been really bringing it on collision with the uh, with the title and things like that. I think that their reign continues. I think that they're gonna they're gonna drop those championships to a much younger tag team to real to get that younger tag team out there. So I really think that they they're gonna retain the championships. So I'm going with the FTR on this one. I'm probably gonna be. 
wrong on this one, but I'm just gonna I'm going out on limb on this one. All right, cool. we have a match between CM Punk and Samoa Joe for the real world championship. <laughs> uh, this rivalry goes back a decade plus in their time yes. at Ring of Honor, and then it was renewed during the Owen Hart Cup tournament uh, with CM Punk getting a victory over Samoa Joe and then Samoa Joe being a sore loser at the end of it and then wanting another match with Punk. So now he's going to get that match, but it's going to be for the championship that Punk wears on his wrist, on his waist that he says he never lost, which was the AEW World Championship, which he's calling the Real World Championship. Uh, Sith, who you got in this one? Does CM Punk retain, or does Joe become the new Real World Champion? Two long-term friends and rivals meet again at Wembley Stadium, as this should be the final match for now, and we're going after the title that Punk didn't relinquish okay and it's a cool story here with this title because at some point we might be seeing a unification at some juncture especially since guess what boys and girls there is no official brand split uh Samoa Joe is a technical beast as is punk and this should be a doozy but going with the second city savior CM Punk to retain jam yeah CM Punk definitely retains here I honestly feel like he's gonna He's going to keep it. I think they're really setting up MJF versus CM Punk down the line and probably the November pay-per-view to unify the championships. So I'm going with that one. All right. After what happened on uh, Dynamite this past Wednesday, we have an AEW World Trios Championship match to to contend with. The House of Black have been uh, all over the acclaimed over uh, the past few weeks. Of course, they had their matchup in which Billy Gunn took off his boots and left in the left them in the ring, uh, you know, signaling that he's retiring from the business, and then. Uh, House of Black continued to beat on the acclaim, and finally, Daddy Ass had enough of it and decided that he's gonna he's gonna deal with the House of Black. And he said, "You're not gonna get fun loving Daddy Ass. You're getting a badass. So badass Billy Gunn is coming yeah. to Wembley, not Daddy Ass, uh, to take on the House of Black for the Trio Championship." Sith, who we got in this one? So we're in the trios division here, and this is where the rubber meets the road, per se, with the story. The latest, of course, is that Billy Gunn, under the name Daddy Ass, retired and left his boots in the ring. The acclaim got attacked by the House of Black and took Daddy Ass's boots and destroyed them. So this past week, badass Billy Gunn came out, and along with the acclaimed, they will take on the House of Black. If Gunn is really looking to retire from in-ring competition, uh, House of Black retains... And I'm going with the House of Black to retain here. It's been a crazy title reign that they've had. But if Billy Gunn is indeed retiring from active competition, it only makes sense for the House to win here. Champ? I think that what we're going to see is your winners. And new trios champions the acclaimed and badass daddy ass Billy Gunn. I think the acclaimed and Billy Gunn finally win the trios titles. I've always said that Billy Gunn was going to be a trios champion. That was when he was teaming with his sons, where they were going undefeated in trios action for the better part of 2020 mm-hmm. through 21. I fi- I think he finally does it with the acclaimed, uh, and I think that they're going to get a huge pop 
from the crowd. It's going to be the biggest scissor, scissoring party in all the world when he, when they win the AEW Trio Championships. <laughs> and no, I'm not out of my mind, Hector. I'm just going with my gut here. Just telling you, just saying, going with my gut. Yep. All right. Four-way match for the AEW Women's World Championship. Hikaru Shida is defending against former champion Tony Storm, former champion Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and hometown girl Soraya. I got a feeling Soraya's going to get the biggest pop because she's from the UK. I think she mm-hmm. is. All right, who you got in this one? Does, Shida re- does uh, Holy Sheeta retain, or will we see a new champion? And if so, who will be the new champion? Soraya is going to get a major hero's welcome for sure in London, to say the least. Now, get this. You've got three women in this match that have or are AW Women's Champions here. In Tony Storm, Dr. Rick Baker, DMD, and the current champion, Nikara Shida. And two of the members of the Outcasts are in this matchup. As the only way not in there is Ruby, 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 so ho. Baker comes in as a former champion, as does Tony Storm. Sheeta comes in as the current reigning champion. So there's a problem here big time, though. Do you make this a transitional reign for Sheeta and give a hometown fans what they want? I'm going with Soraya to win. I think she is going to win. And it's going to cause dissension within the outcasts. Jam. Nah, I think Sheeta retains here. I One thing I've noticed, again, and this is something that uh, the AEW has been kind of synonymous with. Their top single championships, the AEW Women's Championship and the World Championship, you don't normally see very short reigns for those championships. You see pretty long. You see 70 to 100 plus day reigns yeah. with those championships. They don't tend to hot potato their top championships of the of the, their divisions. And I don't see them hot potato in this one. Sheeta has not even held the belt for uh, two months yet. And I don't think they're going to have her lose it to Soraya for a hometown pop. It would be great. That would be awesome. But I just yeah. don't see it. I think I think Sheeta retains the championship here, and somewhere down the line, uh, probably at the uh, November pay per view is when they will we could start talking about potentially a title change, unless it has already happened on a, dy- a random dynamite in between there. Yeah. All right, and then finally. You have the AEW World Championship matchup after they team together in the Zero Hour show. They will then be opponents, MJF and Adam Cole for the title. Sith, your thoughts and your pick. This is something I'm going to flip-flop on. I told, I've been telling you all the perfect ending to Dynamite on December the 27th, 2023. Is for MJF to still be AEW World Champion and for him to announce that the bidding war of 2024 is here. However, this isn't going to happen as MJF loses this match and turns babyface as Adam Cole rejoins Roderick Strong, Matt Taven, and Mike Bennett as the kingdom will be reunited fully as a heel faction together. Adam Cole becomes your AEW world champion here. I know we're all expecting MJF to turn heel here, 
but I'm going the subverted expectations route. Adam Cole turns and wins. What? What? Wow. Wow. I'm that, taking that's, both. that's wow. That's crazy. I'd ne- I would never, I would never have thought thought of that. I would have never thought of that. Never. Mm. And also, also, people remind me to download the Paisanos app because they I'm watching the uh, the Commanders preseason game, and apparently they're they're doing what Papa John's used to do back in the day for the then Redskins, where they're doing free toppies for every touchdown during the season. So I at least want to know. I at least know at least for a couple of Mondays out of the month, uh, out of each month, I'll know what my lunch and dinner is going to be. Is like a multi-topping pizza for a very low price. So I'm going to yeah, keep an eye on that one. Okay, my pick. I'm just I'm just gonna keep it simple. Again, their AEW doesn't book their top championships to be hot potato or to have very short reigns. Even though MJF's reign has been pretty lengthy, I still think it's gonna be a lot longer because again, they're gonna they're probably setting up Punk versus MJF to see who the real world champion is. I mean it's fucking obvious that's where they're going so yeah. i don't think cole wins because they want to get to that point where in november it's cole it's a uh, punk and it's mjf who's the real world champion uh mjf will most likely turn back heel in this matchup turn on adam cole and then we'll get that one and that's where we'll go from there so yeah cool. that's what i'm going with is mjf all right preliminary grade sith you first Okay, so this card probably has had to go through some major revisions because of travel issues, injuries, etc. But overall, this is going to be a fun pay-per-view to sit through tomorrow. The Zero Hour on YouTube and Facebook will be a lot of fun. And it looks as though the main card is stacked with matches that we are going to enjoy. A bit discerning that there's only one women's match on the entire card. As you could have Athena come out and take on someone from the indie scene easily enough. But it just goes to show that the focus is only on that outcast storyline, and that's it. There should be some really good shocking surprises as well as turns and more story development. However, this card, despite the changes that were needed, looks to be a really fun pay-per-view. All-in starts with a B-plus tomorrow. Let's enjoy some wrestling Tomorrow afternoon, fam, should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm also going to go with a B plus. A lot of these matches on here all have really, you know, have a lot of potential. Like I said, Osprey Jericho, especially after the promo series segment they had on Wednesday, has me pretty excited for this matchup. Uh, and I think that it's going to be a, a lot that goes on. I'm very interested in what's going to happen with the stadium stampede match. They are literally in a stadium. So I'll be interested to see how that plays yeah. out because most of the stadium stampede matches have been pre-taped. So I don't know if they pre-taped any segments or not or if they are going to go everything live and in, in living color. 
uh, we'll have to see. But all in all, I'm also at a B plus. And as um, Sif just uh, mentioned, and I'm going to let everybody know, remember, we will be live reacting to AEW All In on Sunday, beginning at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash true no spots pod. Join myself and Sif as we uh, watch the action with you from beginning to end with the zero hour all the way up to the main event of MJF versus Adam Cole for the AEW World Championship. We will be live reacting to that. We will not be live reacting to All Out, which only still has two matches officially announced for that event, and that's next week. So we won't be live reacting to that, but we will be previewing that event next week here on the podcast. All right. Before we move on to our favorite segment, which is the Week in Review, more stuff from our good friend Alex in our Twitch chat. Two weeks before Bray's passing, I wanted Bray Wyatt and Shotzi to work together, but what a shame, Bray. I miss you, Hoot, with hearts. Yeah, that would have been a very unique situation. He mentioned, Alex mentioned earlier how what state, what faction, uh, who, who he have in his faction, uh, Uncle Howdy, Shotzi, Karrion Cross, Scarlet, Joe Gacy, and Dexter Loomis. Oh, good shit. I'd watch that. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested in that, too. I'd be interested in that, too. All yeah. right. Now it's time to talk about the Week in Review. If you're new to this podcast and want to know what our Week in Review is, it's called Push or Bury. We take five segments or and or matches from all the shows across the week, from eight from Monday Night Raw all the way to AEW Rampage. Typically, we do Collision, but for the interest of time and the fact that this podcast, we want to get this podcast out before All In. We will not be doing an AEW Collision report this week, uh, but we will bring it back next week. But from all, but usually all the way to AEW Collision, we talk about all these segments and we give it either a push, big push, or mega push, small push, leave it where it is, or bury it based on how we felt about these segments and or matches. And then, of course, thanks to Bleacher Report, which I pull up on my computer as well, for Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite, SmackDown, and Rampage, we provide grades for... Uh, the show, and of course, this week we will also be omitting SmackDown from our Pushberry segment this week because of the fact that it was uh, much more of a tribute show to both Terry Funk and yeah. to Bray Wyatt. So it would be unfair to try to grade it or anything like that with the magnitude of that of that show. So not a lot to talk about, but we're going to hand over the keys to this Dark Sith Lord to go ahead and st- the start the bus and get us going, Sith. Yeah. We are off to the beach, ladies and gents. In the week that was in pro wrestling, Monday Night Raw continued the builds to WWE Payback, which is a week from tonight from Pittsburgh, PA. NXT had their Heat Wave special on USA Network. AEW Fighter Fest, Dynamite Rampage had their go-home shows for AEW All In, which is tomorrow from London. Impact Wrestling had their fallout from Multiverse United 2 and continued to build to Victory Road, which will be September the 8th from White Plains, New York. So what did we think of the week in wrestling? Hey, let's find out with the weekly Push Barry Week in Review. If we like a segment, we give it a push. Really like or love it, a big or mega push. We thought it was okay or meh. 
Small push or leave it where it is, or if we downright despise it, we bury that shit into the ground. After Raw, NXT, Dynamite, and Rampage, Champ will have records from our friends at Bleacher Report, and I will opine. So let's get on the bus, head for the coast, and let's get cracking. We start off Monday Night Raw with a very wild opening segment that really got the crowd hyped up. Champ, your opening segment, Push or Bury. Big push. Sami Zayn didn't talk for several minutes because that crowd would not let him because he was pretty much home. And then we also got the return of Kevin Owens after a brief uh, layoff mm. due to a rib injury. And to go after the Judgment Day, look, gotta love it. Give it a big push. You give it a big push easily. Boring on Mega Push. This was an electric segment to keep things going. The crowd was so hyped up that Sami Zayn couldn't get started. For a good five minutes after the song, they had to play the full entrance song. Because you're in Quebec. They love Sami Zayn. He's a hometown guy there. You know, out in Quebec. That's the Providence he grew up in. And the fans just love them. Some Sami and KO out there. It was a solid job by all involved. Champ, for the interest of record keeping... Chad Gable versus Walter. Push or bury. I'm giving this a big push boarding on a mega push. I honestly, I understand the need to have a count out victory to keep Walter looking strong because he is yet to be pinned since making his debut on the main roster. But a count out victory is why I can't give it a mega push because i get the idea of why you did it i just still don't like why you did it so but still this was the first loss that walter has suffered since coming on the main roster and it's a big one and that keeps gable in the hunt to possibly be the first to pin on the main roster to become the ic champion so while this keeps it going i give this a big push i give it a mega push this was epic except for the ending start to finish People saw the Chad Gable that we saw in NXT many moons ago with Walter. They had a top-class banger, except for that finish. I was like, count out? Okay. But the rest of the match was just absolutely sick and off the chain. Then in the women's division, we had Rhea Ripley taking on Candice LeRae, and we had some fun in the post-match. Champ? Push or bury? Push. I mean, Rhea Ripley just absolutely smashed Candice LeRae into no tomorrow uh, when she finished her off with that big headbutt and then the Eradicator was just like, okay. Well, not the Eradicator. Well, she did hit the Eradicator. Uh, But then she got the submission with the... um, with the uh, leg lock that she does. But then Raquel Rodriguez will come out and show her that, hey, guess what? I'm medically cleared, bitch. Let's go. So we're going to get that match finally Mm -hmm. at payback. Raquel and Rhea, that match is going to be off the chain, I'm trying to tell you. But I'm giving this a push. Yeah. If not for adding in the post-match, I would have buried the squash match into the fucking ground. When you could have local jobbers come in that Rhea could have ran over like a freight train then have Raquel come out you know what are we doing with Candice LeRae oh by the way we need you for a two minute squash go there now and get beat come on giving this a small push but it's really sad to see this happen to Candice LeRae when you could have used local jobbers 
Then Akira Tozawa took on The Miz. We had a pretty cool, you know, pre-match promo as well. Champ, push your berry. Uh, I'm giving this a push bordering on a big push only because of the fact that we had the surprise of Akira Tozawa, who hasn't won a match on television in God knows how long, pinning a man who's won the Grand Slam two times over uh, in a surprise. So I'm giving this a push, boarding on a big push. I know Knight kind of distracting, which led to the win, but it kind of adds to the intrigue of Miz versus L.A. Knight uh, coming up. Uh, same here, push bordering on, mega pu- on big push. This was good. Miz taking a shit on the crowd. Akira annoying Miz with the yeah replies. And the match was a lot of fun. More of this. Less fucking filler and squash matches. Push bordering on Big Push. Then in your main event that was joined in progress because we came out of a DQ and went to the main event. We had Cody Rhodes, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn taking on the Judgment Day. Champ, you push your berry. Um, I'm going to give this a push, bordering on a big push. I've really enjoyed this matchup. It came um, out of what was originally a straight-up tag match between uh, KO and Sammy and uh, Finn and Damian. Uh, Dirty Dom got involved, Cody got involved, and they decided to turn it into a six-man. It got all over the place. Uh, the good guys win, but the good guys win, and they would stand tall at the end. So good, good way to end it. Big push. Uh, push, bordering on big push. push. No, big push. Yeah. Big push. I give it a push bordering on big push. Look, it was a good main event that was joined in progress because we came out of a DQ and went into the main event. Crowd goes happy, which is a good thing. But the reason why I don't give this a big push, though, is how many more times are we going to run back this fucking program? Okay. We have been running Cody, KO, Sammy versus Finn, Damien, and Dom. In several iterations in the main event on loop. This is, we got to do more with creative here coming out of payback. Grades, please, champ. Yes, grades, of course. So our grades come to us this week from none other mm-hmm. than Doc Chris Mueller. Doc. All right. Our, op- our opening segment got, an, got a B. Plus. A minus. The New Day versus Matt Riddle and Drew McIntyre got a C plus. I agree, C plus. I think Drew's turning on Riddle though. Well, it might not happen anytime soon since the Viking Raiders got involved, so they got a debt program to deal yeah. with. Um, Walter versus Chad Gable for the IC title that got an A. I agree, A. Rhea Ripley versus Candice LeRae got a C. Yep, C. I think C is fair. Uh, the Miz versus Akira Tozawa got a C plus. I give it a B minus. This was actually pretty fucking good. Piper Nevin and Chelsea Green versus Caden Carter Katana Chance got a C minus. That's generous. I give it a D plus. This is one of your only tag teams that cemented 
on the WWE main roster and you feed them to the champs. Jesus Christ, what the fuck are we doing? Cody Rose, Sami Zayn, and, Kev, uh, and Kev, Kevin Owens versus the Judgment Day. Gotta be. I agree, B. And the final word from Doc Chris Mueller is this, quote, This week's Raw did a lot of legwork when it came to advancing storylines, but only a couple of them stood out. Walter versus Chad Gable was easily the best bout of the night, and there is a chance it ends up being the best thing we see on WWE TV all week. The main event was also a solid performance from six guys who have helped carry Raw for the past several months. And, and seeing Tozawa get a win was a big highlight for anyone who's a, who is a fan of the Japanese junior heavyweight. With payback less than two weeks away, WWE still has some work to do. Only three matches have been booked so far, so we can expect to see more added during SmackDown and next week shows leading into the premium live event and quote his final grade was a b minus yeah raw dragged a bit this week and it shows having the women's tag team titles is nothing more than filler bullshit here as well as Rhea squashing candace LeRae. but the good news is that you have recovery guys in the post match that'll build them to go to payback which would be a really good match um walter versus chad gable ah Magnificent except for the ending. Tozawa and Miz, as well as the opening and closing, was good as well. However, this is a run-of-the-mill Raw that needed to be two hours, not three. Raw this week, B-. minus. Uh, now we great. go to... Great. Yeah. You know, eh. Now we go to NXT Heat Wave. And we start off with Ilya Dragunov taking on Trick Williams. Champ. Push or bury. A uh, big push. Such a physical bout here. Uh, Trick Williams, nothing to be ashamed of. He, he went up against a former two-time uh, NXT, uh, a former NXT UK champion, and who was tough as fucking nails. And there you go. Mm -hmm. uh, I give it a big push. Yeah, Trick showed wonderful fire and superstar qualities in this match, despite the greenness that was apparent. Dragunov being the pro he is in tenure belt was a great stepping stone for Trick. Both, I think, need to get another match together because I could watch this all fucking day. Love the respect after the match. Big push. <laughs> then, Champ kind of figured I was picking this one. Noam Dar took on Nathan Frazier for the NXT Heritage Cup. Champ, you push or bury. Oh man, uh, this gets my first mega push of the week. This was a really, really, really good match. Like, I mean, oh. like, seriously good. Like, I would go back and watch this again, it was that good. Uh, even you know, this is one of those matches like you put it on pay per view. Or a premium live event with no commercials, and it's really, it's you know, you really, really, it's really good. So I can't do anything more than anything else but give it a mega push. It was really that good. We have a button with Bray Wyatt going, yes, yes, yes. This is exactly what the doctor ordered here. Where it came to a solid match to follow a really awesome opening match. 
Frazier and Dar were absolute magic here big time. I'm usually not a fan of transitional title reigns, but no worries here. Mega push. Then, oh boy. We had our NXT Women's Champion come out and have a promo segment. Champ, Tiffany Stratton cutting a promo. Push your berry. Leave it where it is. Move on. Huh? Leave it where it is. Move on. Oh, no. Throw me the fucking shovel. I, I, I shit you not. Look, without Blair Davenport and Roxanne Perez, this segment would have been a dumpster fire. Who the fuck is teaching promo classes to Tiffany Stratton? Because she's a champion. She should be strong on the mic, but this is fucking dreadful. I'm burying this shit. Fuck it. Ugh. Then we had a fun little mixed tag match here. We had Dirty Dominic Mysterio, Rhea Ripley taking on Dragon Lee, and Lyra Valkyria, champ, push your berry. Push, I really like this one, especially the outcome of uh, Lyra Valkyria and and, um, and Dragon Lee winning because after Lyra was laid out, Raquel Rodriguez returns to NXT and takes out Rhea, leaving Dirty Don with, with Dragon Lee. And Dragon Lee would get the pinfall victory, giving him a chance to get another shot at the North American Championship. So I give this a push bordering on a big push. Ah, Likewise, my brother, really cool mixed tag team match. It gives us the idea that Dragon Lee could beat Dirty Don. And become North American champion, and then give us the idea that Rhea Ripley could lose to Raquel Rodriguez. The ending allowed things to keep the Judgment Day duo strong, and overall, a really good match. Match push bordering on mega push. And then in your main event, you had Carmelo Hayes taking on Wesley in a historic main event. Champ push your berry. I'm giving us a push bordering on a big push. This match wasn't the match I was expecting. This wasn't what I was, I was expecting a lot more from these two. They made history becoming the first African-Americans to, fa- to wrestle for the NXT championship. And they kind of under-delivered. So I'm giving it a push because it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad, but I expected so much more with the magnitude of the situation. Yeah, I get it. It's TV, so of course it's toned yep. down just a bit. But I still expected them to have a bit, have it t- turned up a couple of notches, and I didn't get that, unfortunately. Yeah, we did not have this Emerald Lagasse idea of kicking up several notches here for a main event of historical uh, significance. I mean, the last few minutes of the match, aside from the scary dive, were awesome and a testament to what both men are able to do. That said, though, champ, running thing with some, the way booking happens with a lot of wrestling shows that we go through, you needed about five more minutes. You know, put a push bordering on big push. Hopefully we can get one more match out of this. But damn, the the opportunity was botched. Champ, the grades, please. 
Oh, Kevin Burns provides the grades for NXT Heatway 2023 this week. Starting off with Dragonoff versus Trick Williams. He gave that a B plus. I agree. B plus. This was awesome. Uh, Ivy Nile versus Ava with the schism. Got a D minus. <laughs> F as in fuck this shit. All right, Heritage Cup, Nathan Fraser versus Noam Dar. That got an A. A plus. Oh my god. <sighs> Tiffany Stratton meets her future challengers. That got a D plus. <laughs> F. Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio versus Lyra Valkyria and Dragon Lee got a B. I agree, B. Baron Corbin versus Von Wagner got a D. C minus. It was slightly better, but holy shit. Why is Wagner a free agent? He should stay in NXT. Uh, in an NXT championship, Carmelo Hayes versus Wesley got a C plus. I'd give it a B, but damn. A few more minutes would have brought it up. And then the overall show from Kevin, quote, going into Tuesday night, all signs pointed to the main event far outshining the rest of the card. But the opposite happened. Trick Williams versus Ilya Dragunov, Nathan Frazier versus Noam Dar, Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio versus Lyra Valkyria and Dragon Lee were all significantly better than the final bout. That is a major testament to the talent elevating contests that had solid builds but were not nearly as flashy on paper. Everyone worked hard to raise each other and set the stage for many exciting matches to come. This show was a letdown for the women's division, though. It, took, it has taken too long to establish the next challenger for Tiffany Stratton, and the only all-female match on the card did not last three minutes. Next week, however, the spotlight should be back on the women with an exciting triple threat. In fact, the entire card that has been promised from the Creed Brothers versus the Dyad to Dijak versus Eddie Thorpe could outshine Heatwave. Heatwave was a solid night of action and elevated multiple stars, but, fail, but fall, f failing to land on the main event held it back from feeling truly special, end quote. His final grade was a B-. minus. All right, the women's division really suffered here. Ivy Nile versus Ava was dreadful, as was Tiffany Stratton's segment. However, the mixed tag match delivered well. The Heritage Cup was an absolute banger that you should seek out. And the show's book ended with really good matches to boot. Not the worst NXT episode, but the cracks did show quite a bit, though. B- is my grade here for NXT this week, which is a bit of a disappointment given that this was one of their special episodes. Ooh. Champ, you ready for Dino Mike? Let's go. Let's get it. Ooh. Dino Mike opened with the Elite taking on Juice Robinson and the Guns. Champ, push or bury. Um, given this a push, boarding on a big push, it was a really 
Uh, I mean, it was just an all-out brawl. The match never even got started. They just beat the crap out yeah. of each other the entire time. I thought it was awesome. So I'm going to give this a push bordering on a big push. Look, solid way to get the show started tonight. Tony Khan and his team knew well that going into Dynamite, the show had to come out running hard, and the brawl really cemented that to start things off. And you know what? I've got my eyes on the guns now. Being associates of Robinson and Wright will pay off in dividends. I give this a big push overall. Champ, I combined the Adam Cole and MJF interviews together. Push or bury. Um, I gotta say, both men absolutely brought it with their interviews. Both men really brought it. That's why it gets my second mega push of the week. <laughs> MJF was brilliant on his, and Adam Cole was just great on his. Both of them together, you just got you can't do nothing. You can't do nothing less than a mega push. It was great. The way Adam Cole seethed when Roderick Strong in the kingdom were brought up. You know, these were lit as fuck. This had you guessing who's going to turn on who. And as much as you want Adam Cole to be the endearing babyface, you just don't know. And as much as you don't want to see the devil come out tomorrow, you just don't know. Outstanding work here. Mega plush. Then we had John Moxley taking on Ray Phoenix and then some crazy shit in the post-match. Champ, push your berry. Big push. Great match between Mox and Phoenix, but then we get the surprise return of Santana and Ortiz as they go against their friend Eddie Kingston to help out the Blackpool Combat Club, and they injure Ray Phoenix in the, in the, in the process as well. Yeah. All setting up for the stadium stampede at All In. Big push indeed. Uh, yeah, this match was absolutely insane and a lot of fun to watch. Moxley can work with anyone at the end of the day. Eddie knows Ray Phoenix well and vice versa. Really solid way to write off Phoenix for a few weeks. We got the return of Santana and Ortiz, which was an amazing shock because we didn't think we'd see them together on the same team again with the stuff that was alleged. But here we are. Big push bordering on mega push. Holy crap, that was fun. Then, as Champ knows, Murphy's Law happens in pro wrestling. Contract signings and marriages especially. And we had a contract signing this week between Osprey and Jericho. Champ, push or bury. I'm not even going to waste any more time with this. This is my third mega push of the week. The emotion and the energy that Will Ospreay brought to this promo. And here's the crazy part is that Will Ospreay is used to being in New Japan and Rev Pro where he could cuss like a freaking sailor. And it is what it is. But he had to temper his rhetoric because he's on network freak. He's on cable network TV. He's on cable TV. So he knew he couldn't be dropping no F-bombs and none of that other crap. But, boy, the emotion he poured out there saying, uh, you know, and by the way, congratulations. Just got married recently, apparently. Um, yeah. 
and now has a son. And, I mean, he put all of that on the table, and so did Jericho. I mean, Jericho's always been great on the sticks. But Will Ospreay is underrated on the sticks ever since becoming a member, ever since founding the United Empire. So this was great. This was fucking amazing. You had Osprey putting a very personal turn to this story, invoking his family. You had Jericho recognizing Osprey's successes and trying to claim credit for them, which is typical Jericho. Callus turning the wheels, doing his shit. These guys sold the match. For those who were saying, why the fuck is this happening? Now you know. Mega plush. Then, in the main event, we had a title match. We had the Aussie Open take on the Hardys. And then the post-match, ooh, champ, push your berry. Uh, this gets a big push from me. The match is really good. Uh, of course, Aussie Open would retain the uh, Hardy Boys. They're still one of the, be- the greatest tag teams of all time, but they are way past their prime by the way they yeah. move in the ring. But Aussie Open are a young team that are just really, really at a high level. And then, of course, we get better than you, Bebe, coming out. And then the tease of a, a possible betrayal before the match. I mean, this is – they tell see, some of these guys tell such great stories. And it shows. So this is a big push for me. The good news is that we had a title match that was the main event. Bad news, about 10 minutes tops because of the frantic pacing that is AEW Dynamite. That said, it was a good tune-up match for Aussie Open as they take on Better Than You, Bebe, in London via Zero Hour, which we will be covering tomorrow, folks. Um, The Hardys... They've lost a step or two, so the time was right for them, to say the least. Post-match really started to show some of the cracks big time. Great way to close out the show that actually had an extended ending. They had the show go over by like seven minutes, which is awesome. Big push, because I added in the post-match. And now the grades. All right, the grades from Eric Beeston of uh, Bleacher Report. We begin with... The uh, Elite versus the Bullet Club, Bullet Club Glow, and Renee Paquette interviews MJF. The match got a B plus. The brawl got a B plus. It wasn't a match. It was a brawl. The brawl yeah. got a B plus. MJF's promo. Uh, MJF's interview got an A plus. I totally agree with those grades. All right, Ray Phoenix versus John Moxley got a B. Do 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 do. Scroll down. Uh, B plus. The contract cited for Osprey versus Jericho got an A. A plus. Oh my God. Renee Paquette interviews Adam Cole and then the tag team, uh, the tornado tag match and FTR and the Bucks. That was a lot in that, that one little thing. But all of that yeah. got a B plus. Well, the match was between the tornado tag match got a B plus. I give Adam Cole A plus, the tornado tag. Yeah, B plus. All right. Sky Blue versus Ruby, Ruby, Ruby Soho got a C plus. Yep, C plus. And Ring of Honor World Tattoo Championship, the Hardys versus Aussie Open got a B. B plus. 
All right. Next overall grade from Eric. Quote, this yep. this might have been the best episode of AEW Dynamite ever. And that is not hyperbole. There was a sense of creative urgency from the moment the show hit the airways and it never relented. Every segment served a purpose. Oh, come on, man. Why did you... Screen went white on me. Hold on. All right. Where was I at here? Okay, here we go. All right. There was a sense. All right. Every segment served a purpose in building a story, highlighting a star, or providing hype for about at Sunday's pay-per-view. Everything was meaningful, and the result may be the most focused show Tony Khan has ever overseen as the head broker of a professional wrestling show. There were smaller creative decisions that were earned scrutiny, and deservedly so, AR Fox is firing, but the show as a whole was one that knew the assignment and delivered, providing considerable hype for the most important event in AEW history, and quote, the overall grade was an A plus. Ooh. Now, champ. According to Sean Ross Sapp of Flagful, one brother Discovery had this week circled where it came to AEW and how they worked to build things into all in. This is easily, and I don't know if Champ agrees or not, the best AEW episode of Dynamite this year by far for me. This was also, to be honest, the best paced episode of Dynamite of the year so far as well. You're not going to get this every week from AEW, nor what I expected. But when you put your best foot forward consistently, well, you could use the women's division better. And I don't know what they were thinking with AR Fox getting kicked out of the Mongol embassy this quickly. And you keep the gossip out of the headlines. It shows like this how to make people look at your product more on TV as opposed to streaming. Dynamite gets an A bordering on A+. If AR Fox had a bit of a build towards the face turn, and if we had more stuff with the women, it would have gotten an A+. Now we go to Impact Thursday nights, and ooh, we opened with a pretty cold match. We had Trinity taking on Jody Threat. Champ, push your berry. Uh, I give this a push. This is a really good opening matchup. We opened the show with a, a beatdown from PCO. PCO was supposed to be in a match, but he ends up just beating down uh, Champagne Singh and Shira, and then uh, had a, had some uh, words with Bully Ray. But this was a great way to open up the match. Jody Threat uh, has come up in the ranks in the Indies in Canada, now on a big, on a much bigger stage of Impact, uh, really showing her stuff and Trinity showing why WWE should have been much more. Uh, you know, much better in terms of booking her creatively uh, because she's really showing up and showing out for these 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 matches. Yeah. Look, did not get Spanch to open up the match part of the card this week. This was all about letting Trinity have the spotlight to lead into Emergence, to say the least. She and Peraza are set for a banger of a rematch at Emergence. Threat looked good, but in no way was she winning here. But give it a push, though. It was a really good match. Then we had Diener taking on the Rado Kid, and then Diener cut a pretty good promo. Champ, push for Barry. Push, bordering on a big push. Nice matchup with the Rado Kid. 
the promo afterwards, uh, challenging EY to a no DQ match at Emergence, which I, 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 it wasn't until watching this that I realized that we have two uh, mega events taking place on the same night or same day. You have All In and uh, Midday, and then Emergence that night on YouTube and on uh for the ultimate insiders and on uh yep. impact plus so there you go you got plenty of, of wrestling for your sunday but yeah i give this a push yeah i give this a push bordering on big push look dino and Lareda kid they had a really good match together no doubt about it but this was highlighted with dino after the match cutting a promo on eric young the emergence is going to be a fascinating chapter in the story of the design and eric young dino did a really good job in selling it push bordering on mega push then in tag team action, we had ABC of the Bullet Club taking on the good hands. Champ, Pusher Berry. Uh, this gets a push boarding on a big push. It was a really good matchup. Uh, a good bounce back win for uh, for ABC uh, after, you know, again, falling short with when it came to the tag titles. Uh, but they were also victorious at Multiverse United, but they definitely needed this tag team victory also because they didn't work successful in the tag team title uh, contenders tournament. So good win, good push. Yeah, give it a good push bordering on big push as well. You had to get these teams time to work this out. Worked out really well. Skyler and Hutch, they weren't going to beat ABC, who really needed a good definitive win. They got it here, but this was a fun match. Then Chris Sabin took on Samurai Del Sol, champ. The X Division matchup of the night, Pusher Barry. Big push. This was a really fantastic matchup. I mean, we already know how good Samurai Del Sol is. We saw it in uh, WWE, but he's really shown himself since being released from WWE, doing very, very well. And, of course, Chris Saban, the best X-Division wrestler in the history of Impact, once again showing that he's ageless and timeless. Uh, so big push for me. Yeah, same here. Champ, that 450 splash from Del Sol, that was amazing. As was the entire match. Saban, of course, winning with the cradle shock. But damn, give this a big push. This was a lot of fun. And then in your main event, we had Alex Shelley taking on Brian Myers. And then the post-match helps you lead in to what's going to be happening at Emergence. Champ, push your berry. Um, I'm going to give this a push. As, as well. I'm going to give this a push as well. Great match here a uh, really great way to close things out uh especially with what would happen at the end i mean just really really good way to close out the show close things out i give it a big push look the main event was really good as it spotlighted the idea that myers was trying to soften up shelly and in the post match <laughs> everything went to shit where it came to the baby faces because shelly and his allies got destroyed as the show closed really good lead-ins for emergence so i'm giving it a big push And as Champ and I agreed, we are skipping SmackDown this week because it was a really good tribute episode more than anything. Didn't feel right grading it. But really quickly, really quickly, Sif, really quickly, Sif, though, I do want to recognize the grades that Bleach Report gave for this show from Eric Beeston. I do want to recognize that uh, the Bray Wyatt tribute didn't get a grade, but it was mentioned. It was a very beautiful tribute to Bray Good Wyatt. Uh, Grayson Waller versus Rey Mysterio in a non-title match got a B. I'd give it a B plus. 
Uh, the women's championship match between Zelina Vega and EO Sky got a B plus. Great B plus. Uh, the uh, Cody Rhodes tribute to Tarek uh, got an A. <laughs> a plus. Oh my god, that was awesome. Then the Terry Funk hardcore tag team match between the Brawling Brutes and the Street Profits got a B. I agree, B. For a hardcore match, it was really mid. But I understand why, though. And then L.A. Knight versus Finn Balor got an A. A plus. Yeah. And then the overall grade, this was great. Quote, no one can possibly understand the amount of hurt in the locker room mm-hmm. Friday night. The men and women who took to the squared circle Friday night did so with heavy hearts, still processing the passing of their friend and grieving his loss. They could have easily shown up and gone through the motions, and there would not have been a single person who faulted them for it. Instead, they turned in spirited performances that honored their WWE family member and continued some key stories entering this September 2nd payback event. It was a tough night, but a beautiful one that not only celebrated the life of Wyatt, but also honored the late, great Terry Funk. Under the worst circumstances imaginable, they rose to the occasion and delivered as strong a show as possible, end quote. His final grade was an A. Look, SmackDown did a great job this week with an emotional tribute to Terry Funk as well as Bray Wyatt. All the matches were solid this week, and Cody's promo segment along with the tributes were just absolutely outstanding. You also had really good builds towards payback, and this was just an episode that just hit right emotionally as well as some, with simplistic action for the fans as well. A+. Plus. Um, probably... Easily the best episode of SmackDown this year. Easily. Now we go on to Rampage. And champ, you'll be surprised. I got five things out of Rampage. You ready? Cool. Yep. Cool. Let's get it. We had Orange Cassidy taking on Aaron Solo. Champ. Push your berry. I got to play this first. This was the 30th consecutive successful title defense for Orange Cassidy as the international slash uh, all-Atlantic champion. 30 Mm -hmm. times in a row, Orange Cassidy has successfully defended that championship. That is unprecedented, and that is your stat of the day. As for the match, I'm giving this a push, bordering on a big push. Very, very well done matchup. Uh, And, of course, again, the big number there of the 30 successful title defenses uh, in a row. I mean, unbelievable that he's been able to keep up that kind of pace and still put on such great matches. I really enjoyed it. I'm giving this a push. You know, I give this a push, bordering on big push. Look, Orange Cassidy continues to elevate the All-Atlantic Championship. And honestly, Aaron Solo is severely underrated and underused because he's a part of the QTV stable. The match was solid for the opening match. Push bordering on big push, really good match. Mm. Then QT Marshall, the head 
of QTV took on Gravity Champ Pusha Berry. Uh, this gets a push uh, as well. I mean, QT Marshall, I mean, Conan went on the record on his own podcast saying that his matchup to win the Latin American <laughs> Latin American Championship was so good that his bosses were telling him, bring him back. We want him back it's because of the heat that he brings. And he brought the heat here and gravity, who, by the way, is uh, Bandito's brother. Really, really brought it as well. I really enjoyed this matchup. Give it a push. Uh, push bordering on big push. Fun match that again. Take away the QTV shtick. You focus on in ring. There's a lot to like here. Marshall Gravity had a really good match together, and Marshall is awesome at getting heel heat because guess what? He comes off as a dick, and that's what you want from your heels. Push bordering on big push. Now. You may ask what the third segment is. Champ, we had a promo from our friends in the Dark Order. Champ, push your berry. I'm giving that a push, porting on a big push. I'm I'm liking what this where this is going. I want to see where this really re- where this really goes. I really want to see where this goes. I'm very interested. So yeah, I, I'm giving that a push port bordering on a big push. Nah, fuck that. I'm gonna give it a big push. Fuck it. Champ, yes. be selfish, be happy, be the Dark Order. That line came from Evil Uno. You know what it brought back vibes of, Champ? Remember those recruitment video promos from Dark Order when they came out initially? Yep. This is why it gets a big push. Because they're finally, they may be finally getting back on track. With this stable. And I hope to God they are. Because this is awesome. Then Luchasaurus. He had a basic squash. Against Ren Jones. Local talent champ. Pusher Barry. Uh, small push. It was a squash. That's basically it. It was a squash. Again, yeah. it was a small push. But you expect a squash. Because Luchasaurus is a big dude. Who's the who's the mm-hmm. actual TNT champion. Of course he didn't have his belt. Uh, but he after. Absolutely, just squashed the hell out of this kid, out of this dude, and that was it. That was all he needed. So I give he, it a small push. I give it a small push, bordering on you know just small push. Look, it's a basic squash for the lad. You know, I Luchasaurus. I hope they do something with him other than this in due time. Then in your main event, we had a tag team matchup. We had Tony Storm and Soraya taking on Doctor Britt Breaker. D D and Hikaru Shida champ. Push your berry our main event. You could tell Tony Khan has heard the criticisms that come from a lot of people about his booking of the women's division. Yeah. That for the last several weeks in a row, he's had women main eventing this show. But that still doesn't take that still doesn't take away the criticism when a match like this doesn't deliver as it should. This gets a push from me because it wasn't bad, but like just like Mello and Hey and and Wes, it underdelivered. You have the four women that are going to be facing each other for the AEW Women's World Championship, and it wasn't much there. Only the only thing that was there was Soraya and Tony Storm sort of uncomfortably sharing the AEW Women's World Championship, knowing they don't want to. They're not trying to do that. But yeah, I give it a push. 
I give it a push as well. Look, there was some good builds towards the women's match tomorrow. It showed dissension with the baby faces. I like Tony Stone's development character here. The match breaking and shit aside was good. But why did you have to have the squash match for Luchasaurus? You could have taken the entrances and everything from that, put in Tony, put in the main event, expanded it out by about three or four minutes, and things would have been fine. Push. All right, the grades from Doc Chris Mueller. We'll go through this quickly. Orange Cassidy versus Aaron Solo international title match. Got a B minus. Uh, B. QT Marshall versus Gravity for the Triple A Latin American title. That got a B minus. B, actually. Luchas- Luchasaurus versus Ren Jones got incomplete because of the squash. <laughs> C minus, dude. Come on, Doc. And then Tony Storm and Hikaru, Tony Storm and, Sh- and Soraya versus Hikaru Shida. Uh, uh, Tony Storm and Soraya versus Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida got a C plus. I agree, C plus. The final word from Doc Chris is as follows: "Quote this week's Rampage and Saturday's Collision are the final shows before Saturday, Sunday's massive all-in pay-per-view. So we didn't get much on Friday's show because everyone big was either overseas or being saved for the pay-per-view. The only big-name competitors on the show were the four women who competed in the main event. Thankfully, this was pre-taped, so it's not as if they had to immediately hop on a flight, hop a flight to England as soon as the show was over." The action on this week's show was fine for the most part, but nothing stood out. Rampage usually has at least one memorable match, but with the lack of talent available, it's not a surprise that this was a light week. Cassie versus Soul was probably the highlight of the night, so if you go, only go back to watch one thing from the show, make it that, end quote. His final grade was a C+. There's no argument here. It was a decent go-home Rampage for this week. Not a lot of building towards all in, but we got some decent matches. You had a Luchasaurus squash you had against local talent. You had good promos with QT Marshall as well as Dark Water. The word to describe Rampage, consistent. I mean, there's not, I, the Orange Cassidy match with Aaron Solo was really, really good. I'd go back and rewatch that as well as Marshall versus Gravity. The women's match, if it got four more minutes, would have been nice. C plus, but note to Tony Khan. You started off really good with Dynamite. You really went down on the afterburners here. Hopefully Collision delivers tonight. All right, we're done with our weekend review. Again, we're not doing a uh, call, uh, AEW Collision Push or Bury this week. Uh, we will back, be back doing it next week, but we are go, going to go straight into Final Thoughts, the segment of the show where we give our thoughts on all things either wrestling-related or non-wrestling-related and plug whatever podcasts we have upcoming. Uh, we always begin, of course, with the Sith, so Sith will kick things off. Okay. So on the media call for All In, Tony Khan noted something, and honestly, it's something he should be really proud of, to say the least. 
when he introduced his father to David Zasloff, the president of Warner Brothers Discovery, Zasloff pointed out to Tony's dad that his fun fucking kills it at work. And that's something to be very proud of indeed. You see, folks, I'm very critical of Tony Khan when things go to shit and he appears to be asleep at the wheel. But I also know what it's like to have a boss lavish praise all over you as well. Just to be a note to Tony, though, is AEW is headed to London for their biggest show yet. And it's one that I'm looking forward to. The note is simple. For the last four years, AEW has experienced some major growing pains as an upstart professional wrestling promotion. We've covered them here on this very podcast over the last four years. Tony has made some difficult decisions, to say the least, and I do give him credit for that easily enough. When the speaking out movement hit, Tony took immediate action to see if the wrestlers that were impacted could change. When one decided to make changes for the better, they were retained. One didn't see the need to change, according to what Tony Khan saw, and Tony took the difficult step in terminating said talent. When the pandemic shut the door on a lot of pro wrestling, Tony said, okay, Delhi's place is the home base for AEW. And he did something that a lot of people took good notice of. He took in the indie talent that wanted to wrestle in those hard times. We saw people like the acclaimed, Julia Hart, Sean Dean, Brian Pillman Jr., Griff Garrison, etc. come through. And some of them are still around. Tony didn't have to take the in the indie talent, but he did. Sure, the booking of the women's division leaves a lot to be desired at the end of the day, but I will point out where Tony has gotten it right, as well as point out that the women's division continues to be poorly booked. Sure, it's been a good four-year stretch for AEW, but the time has come for some decisions to be made here. Tony Khan has to do something I know some people will bitch and moan about here, but it's been said not just by me, but others as well. AEW's growing pains are somewhat inflicted by Tony behaving more of a mark or a fan instead of a boss, and that has to stop at the end of the day. Here is AEW on the eve of their biggest show to date, and it's drawing major numbers, not only out of the gate, but in pay-per-view as well. It's attracting a global reach that is undeniable at the end of the day, and that is absolutely awesome. That all said, though, as a boss and owner of a professional wrestling promotion, Tony Khan has to set aside his fandom for the betterment of his promotion at the end of the day. Tony will never know who the snitches are that are still leaking out drama to the wrestling media, but this shit has to end. So what? Wrestler A thinks that Wrestler B is a fucking twat waffle. We don't need to know this nonsense at the end of the day. There should be an edict. Even if you can't get along, be professional with each other and be prepared to do what's best for the company at all times backstage and in the ring. And enforce the no drama in the wrestling media edict, unless that was bullshit all along. Shit, reportedly Santana and Ortiz had a major falling out and weren't speaking, but yet they came back this one past Wednesday night and did business together. That should tell you all something. They may not be the best of friends right now, but they're willing to do business for what's best for the fans as well as themselves, as well as the company. Get it? Got it? Cool. Bottom line, 
This is an exciting time for AEW, and I want them to succeed. Yes, the booking of the women's division needs to be women's division needs to be better, to say the least. But the alleged sewing circle bullshit backstage and in the ring has to stop as well. Yes, AEW has had a lot of successes, and I salute them. But at the end of the day, until things improve backstage and in ring with the issues that are ever present, AEW will never have a good chance to evolve to the next level. That, my friends, is my final thought. Tomorrow on Spotify, I take Leprechaun with the Creatures for a 35-film countdown and so much more. That sits basement tomorrow on Spotify. That all said, champ, I yield the floor. A majority of the population are starting to get really, really excited. And here's why. Because in two weeks' time, the NFL season kicks off. We are currently in the midst of the final regular, final preseason games of the year for all of the teams. Everybody's getting their final warm-ups. They're, uh, the ones who are on the bubble making rosters are getting their chance to put something on film to possibly either stay on their te- current teams or be picked up by other teams. And I will say, with all honesty, this is the first season in a long time that I have been super excited for the commanders to kick it off. With the changes up top, with the new ownership of uh, Josh Harris, along with uh, Magic Johnson and their other partner, with the hiring of a brand new uh, offensive coordinator and Eric Bieniemy, which brings in a new offensive system, the uh, the emergence of Sam Howell, who's in his, only his second year in the league, is now our starting quarterback with two very with one very comp, very good backup behind him, and another quarterback who's showing some great skill in this uh, final preseason game. I have never been more excited for Commanders football than I am this year, but my fear is that I'm so excited that they may end up letting me down and I will be very devastated if they don't produce a very positive season. I'm looking forward to seeing what this defense could do with two young studs in the backfield and at, uh, in the defensive backfield with Chase Young being back with something to prove because he is not, he, he, his fifth year option was not uh, renewed, was not picked up, meaning he's playing for a contract. I just feel like, I feel like that this is this is the year that we're going to finally see this team finally do something positive and bring something positive to us to a fan base that has been nothing but negative because of the 20 plus years of things going on with this team. I'm very excited right now. I'm watching their final preseason game against the Bengals. They're leading, but I just want to see. I just want to see the same play, gameplay, the same, the same what I'm seeing here. I want to see that in regular season games. I want to see that in game one against the Arizona Cardinals. I want to see that in game two against Denver. I want to see that through all the, the games we play against our own division, against the Eagles, the Giants, the, the Cowboys, who just traded for uh, Trey Lance. I want to see this same energy and gameplay in all 17 games this season. I want to see this team finish at 10 and 7 or better. 
I want to see this team make the playoffs. I want to see this team finally win a playoff game in the win a playoff game. They haven't won a playoff game since I was in my 20s. I want to see this team finally go forward. And I think this is finally the year that it's going to happen. I'm manifesting it. I'm speaking it into existence that this is the year that the Washington Commanders franchise moves forward and we finally can have something to be proud of and something to cheer about. I believe it's going to happen. All I got to say to the Washington Commanders franchise is please Please, 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 for someone who has cheered for this franchise since I was a young boy, get being only eight years old, nine years old, I believe, when, I, when they last won the Super Bowl, I pray you don't let me down. Please don't let me down. And that is my final thought as Sage reminds us of seven hours of commercial free football. As you know, as we mentioned earlier on, we will be live reacting to AEW all in uh, from, it will be at Rimley Stadium. We'll be here in our homes watching with you uh, beginning with the zero hour at around 12 PM Eastern time. And then uh, we will be checking that out until it's very end. And then of course we will be back next Friday. Uh, for the weekly podcast, we will be pre we will be recapping all in and then previewing both all out and payback all hap- happening on the same weekend, Labor Day weekend. So it will be a special Friday podcast where we will be talking about all of that as well. Then we will be live reacting to uh, payback that Saturday live from. Uh, from our homes where payback taking place in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So we will have that going on. We will let you know what time it will be on next week's podcast and everything like that. But other than that, that's it for this week's episode of the weekly wrestling podcast. We hope that you enjoyed. If you did make sure you check us out on social media, Facebook.com slash no spots pod, Twitter.com slash true no spots pod, Twitch.tv slash true no spots pod, and TikTok.com slash at true no spots pod. You can check out my co host and my taxi partner Sith on Twitter and Twitch. I mean, that's a switch. Twitter and TikTok at TrueSipDan74. And you can check out my New Japan podcast co host, uh, Sage. At, I woke up as this guy named Sage with underscores after each word uh, on Instagram. And with that, we say to our audio listeners, thank you for listening. Again, podcasts will be uh, released on a special day of Saturday because we will be recording it on Friday and streaming it on Friday. So if you want to check it out on our stream or on Twitch, make sure you, ch- you give us a follow and everything like that. Otherwise, for our audio listeners, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next week. Yep. Take it easy. Everyone have a good week and peace out. Hey guys, it's Champ here. We hope you enjoyed that episode of No Spots Podcast. If you did, make sure you are following us so you can be notified when we upload new episodes. And make sure you follow us on all social media platforms, facebook.com slash nospotspod, as well as on Twitter, at truenospotspod. We will catch you on the next episode, myself, Donnie Wrestling, and The Sith, for the No Spots Podcast on the True Radio Network.